we are on air for Fan for Racing's NASCAR race review of Atlanta, along with our Hot Topic sound off at 10 p.m. Eastern Time tonight. Now, uh, during our first half hour here, we're going to start with a few updates from the Arkham and Art series to include the East and the West. And then we're going to review the Winter Showdown at Kern County Raceway that took place this past weekend. We did do a preview of that and, uh, th- on Thursday night's show. And now, of course, we're going to do the review. Uh, then at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, our guest is Joe Graff, Jr. with SS Greenlight Racing. He'll join the conversation, and we'll continue our conversation about his season in the Xfinity Series this year. He's had some pretty cool things uh, going on. Uh, Then we're going to review the NASCAR Truck Series at Atlanta, the Xfinity Series, and the Cup Series at Atlanta Motor Speedway. 10 o'clock is our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off, and uh, we'll have some members of the Bamper Racing crew joining us at that time. So with that, uh, Sal, welcome to the show. Oh, good evening, Sharon. Thank you. It's uh, really good to have you back. I I'm, was a little worried about whether you'd be feeling up to being on, but I'm so glad that you are. Yeah, it's just a minor setback. Um, but nothing that little surgery won't fix. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and get into the Arkham Menard series. Uh, we're going to be on 15-minute segments here tonight. So we'll start with the Arca Menard series. Uh, they are on a break right now, so we're going to have to wait for the next race in this series. Uh, you've got the Arca Menard series racing on April the 24th at 1 o'clock Eastern time, the General Tire 200. That's going to be a Talladega Super Speedway, Sal. So they're back to the Super Speedway racing. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting um, uh Definitely be an exciting um, uh, race coming up at uh, Talladega. Yeah, they'll be there with the uh, NASCAR teams as well. Uh, so that's always great exposure for the Arkham Menard Series. So uh, really looking forward to that race. Uh, May 8th is going to be the next Arkham Menard Series East event, the Music City 200, and that will be at the Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway. So that should be fun as well. Yeah, National Fairgrounds holds the um, the um, gosh, I forget what big super late model race they hold there, but um, it's always good racing there. Um, let's see where I'm at here. Okay, without a doubt. Uh, now the next uh, the next Sioux Chief Showdown race. Uh, that's with the Arkham Menard Series is on May the 22nd. Uh, the Arkham Menard Series has a schedule of 20 races, but 10 of those races are part of the Sioux Chief Showdown, and uh, it's a separate championship that drivers can race for. And so the first race for the Super Sioux Chief Showdown is going to take place at Toledo Speedway, the Toledo 200 on May 22nd. And that will be at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So uh, they're going to get that kicked off for this season. Yeah, that, that actually that series, the Suey Chief, I thought it was pretty good because you didn't have to have a full-time driver 
in the regular series, you know, that were competing for the um, that were competing for the um, for the championship, and that's too. It's its own uh, kind of its own little series in its own. It is, it is, and it makes it kind of um, really fun to watch. And they try to make it, you know, different types of tracks as well. Uh, for the Arca West. We just saw them race out of Phoenix Raceway in their season opener along with the Arkham and Art Series. But their next event is going to be at Sonoma Raceway Cell on June the 5th at, uh, let's see, that should be about 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time. The General Tires, 125. So that's going to be a fun, that's going to be the road course. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how that works out, especially with them taking such a big, you know, a three-month break, you know, before their next race. I didn't understand why they they couldn't, you know, you know, shove I a know, race in between that. So Especially with I'm Kurt sure. and Arendelle, you know, open, you know, there was a, you know, they, I don't see why, you know, they couldn't put a, you know, put something in, in between. I mean, you know, at least April. Well, I think. You know, April or May. I know. I know. I, I really hate to see that much time in between as well, uh, th- th- between these races. But I'm sure COVID and a lot of these tracks weren't sure if they were going to be able to be open and all kinds of things. But uh, I'm really glad uh, that we've got the, the schedule that we have. In spite of the fact that the COVID pandemic, uh, you know, there are so many unknowns there. I think uh, they probably did the best they could with what the information they had at the time that they put all of that together. You know, I think a lot of it is sponsorship, money for sponsorship, too. It's, um, uh, you know, sponsorship isn't really that easy to come by for these big races. Um, I know that Bill, Bill McAnally puts a lot of money up. Napa puts a lot up for the, uh, for the um, for, you know, for the West, for the West version of it and i know Arundel mm-hmm. has two races we got actually two races coming up at Arundel already but i was noticing we didn't have current on the schedule it's usually every year we have current they usually run current in, in november with um with the uh with what they call the um the the showdown which is the the west series with the um srl um Southwest Tour Series used to run together on the same weekend. Yeah, actually, Irwindale is going to have two uh, races, one on July 3rd and another one on August the 21st. So uh, two events at at Irwindale this year for the West. And then also in between that, on July 31st, they'll be racing Colorado National. So that's kind of cool. Uh, A new one on the schedule this year, and it's going to cover three days, it looks here Friday, Saturday, and Sunday is Portland International Raceway, so that should be interesting. Vince, yeah, that is going to be. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, that, that's going to. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be. Um, yeah, I'm gonna, let me see. They went to Portland last year. Oh, did they? They went from Ever. They that. went from Evergreen to Portland. They they shot Evergreen at. Um, in the afternoon, like two o'clock, three o'clock, and then they did Portland oh, in the went. evening on 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 Sunday last oh, okay. year. I guess so I didn't remember that it was Portland. Uh, after yeah, that, they'll be Portland. going to the Bull Ring at Las Vegas Motor Speedway in September. 
October is All-American Speedway, and then in November they're back at Phoenix Raceway for their season finale. If I'm not mistaken, the bull ring, well, now they're doing it at the bull ring. They used to do it at the dirt track, but I think it's the same weekend as a cup race. Okay, that that and, probably uh, is. Yeah, that's, that, that's the only reason I can see them running the um, – you know, the race at the boring, because the boring isn't doing, they, they're basically closed. They're not doing nothing anymore. Oh, wow. <clears throat> wow. They're only doing well, legend, races, legend racing. Yeah. Yeah. Nine races for the Arco West this season. And when I look at the schedule for um, the East, they have eight races uh, on their schedule. They've raced already at New Smyrna, then Five Flags Speedway, Uh, Coming up May 8th is going to be the Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway. Then they go to Dover, the Southern National Motorsports Park, then Iowa Speedway in July. The Milwaukee Mile is a new one on the schedule. I'm looking forward to that. And then Bristol Motor Speedway is going to be their season finale, and that's the race in September. So uh, I think that's going to be fun as well. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. they got a... They have another spread out, kind of spread out schedule, not as much as the West, but I think the West, they really just really spread them out too, too thin. Okay, yeah. Well, okay, now then, we talked about the Sioux Chief Showdown. I'm going to just kind of mention the 10 races that are comprising the Sioux Chief Showdown in the Arkham Menard Series. You've got Toledo State Speedway that we talked about on May 22nd. Then there's the Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course in June, Elko Speedway in July, as well as Berlin Speedway and Iowa Speedway. All Oh, and one more, Winchester Speedway, all in July. So four Sushi Showdown events in July. Then in August, it's Watkins Glen International. Then they go to the Milwaukee Mile. It's the same weekend as the uh, Arca East. Uh, and then... The Bristol Motor Speedway, Timber, Salem Speedway in October, and that's going to be the last race for the Sioux Chiefs Showdown. Uh, so that doesn't include the other races for the Arkham and Art Series. The races I just listed off are just the Sioux Chiefs Showdown races. So, as I mentioned yeah, they, they before, now, there's a lot of different tracks. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. They have a lot. They got it. They have a really. Uh, a really interesting schedule for the for showdown, you know, including the two um, including the two uh, road courses in there. Yes, yeah. Uh, Sonoma, well, Sonoma is on the west, but the Mid Ohio Sports Car Course, as well as Watkins Glen International. Now, the other ARCA races that uh, I did not mention, they've already raced at Daytona, Phoenix, Talladega is coming up in May. Uh, I'm in April, and then in May it's Kansas Speedway, Charlotte Motor Speedway, then Pocono in June, then Michigan in August, along with Illinois State Fairgrounds, Duquoin State Fairgrounds also in September, and then Kansas Speedway is the season finale in October. So uh, a lot of racing to do for that Arkham and Art Series. Yes, yeah, he drives will be busy in the in the 
in the regular arc of an arc series. I'm sure we'll see a lot of, hopefully we'll see a lot of the, you know, the, the fallout, you know, from the East and the West, you know, try to get, you know, get some, get some time in, you know, some of these, um, you know, some of these bigger tracks. It's going to be hard because a lot of the drivers are so young, like Charlotte mile and a half. They're not going to be able to get on that track. That track's too big, but, um, you know, like Iowa and, um, Winchester, you know, um, Watkins Glen, uh, Milwaukee mile, Bristol, you know, those, those tracks, you know, they'll be able to, uh, participate in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, definitely going to make it very, very interesting. And, uh, I think fans, uh, if you haven't tuned in for the Arkham Menard series, a lot of these races can be seen on FS1 or MAV TV. Uh, and some of them are available on NBC Gold, uh, as part of the live streaming package on their track pass program. So uh, I've watched a few that way, and uh, it, they're a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, they are. They're exciting. You know, you, you know, up up and coming drivers. You know, trying to make their trying to make their name in the uh, in the um, you know coming through the trucks and Xfinity series. You know, so I mean, you know, you're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of young talent and a lot of old talent too. A lot of drivers who just never could find it right and just, you know, stick it out and just, you know, figure racing is racing, so we're just going to stick it out here and just keep going. Okay. Uh, Sal, you would be very proud of Jay and I on last Thursday. I don't know if you listened to the show, but we gave you a shout-out uh, because we did a preview of the winter showdown at Kern County Raceway, and so it's only appropriate that now we do the review of that race. Uh, that's always exci- an exciting event. Yeah, it is. It's, it's it's a big race out here on the West Coast, you know. And you know, unfortunately, we didn't have the the field that we you know kind of anticipated because of the winter because of the All Star Showdown, you know, kind of being so close. Oh. That was going on back east, but um, we still had a field of a lot of um, of a lot of you know stout cars down there. Um, First time I've, I've ever watched it because I watched it on TV because I couldn't make it. So it was kind of neat to watch, mm-hmm. you know, the action, you know, from, you know, you know, from behind the TV screen instead of being down there. But um, I'll tell you, it was it was one heck of a run by uh, by Derek Thorne and by um, actually all the drivers that participated in it. Absolutely, Derek Thorne uh, joins Bubba Pollard now as the only drivers to have won two of the Winter Showdown events. So that's pretty cool uh, for Derek Thorne. He's come so close so many <laughs> times, uh, whether it be the Winter Showdown or the Snowball Derby or whatever. It seems like he gets snake bit. But uh, he actually pretty much dominated, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He let a lot of laughs. But down towards the end, he spoke about he felt like he was getting a flat tire you know, like yeah. five to go, three to go, you know, and he thought I was going to be his, his nemesis again, because it seems like one year, one year for the, I think the first showdown, he had an oil leak and it was a, a $10 part, you know, that caused the leak. Yeah. And then of course he finished second to Bubba Pollard and finished second to uh, also to Ty Majeski, you know, after winning his, 
that I think he finished second to Kyle Busch too, when the year that Kyle wow. Busch won it. So, um, wow. you know, he's had his, yeah, he's had his, and you know, so this one, you know, was a, it was a, it was a good battle between him and Preston Peltier for a while, and then him and um, him and Buddy Shepard, you know, towards the, mm-hmm. you know, the last um, restart, you know. But um, all in all, well, it was a good I run think, by him. Was it, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think it was a really big win for him because it was at his home track. Uh, Kern County Raceway is in Bakersfield, which is where uh, Derek Thorne is from, I believe. And he picked up a $10,000 paycheck. Yeah, and actually this was a new Fury car he was running, too. This was a brand new car that they had been working on. So... um you know, it was like you said. You know, it was nice, you know, to get the win with the new car, and um, you know, of course, he always thanks his crew chief, Mike King. You know, Mike King does so much for that team. Um, you know, between Mike King, uh, Byron, Byron, and Carol Campbell, you know, who give him all the resources that he needs to win. I mean, they they just he's got unlimited resources when it comes to to that racing program. So, um. It was a it was a good solid win by him, you know. It was a good run, you know, by a few other drivers too, you know, that were out there, you know. Um, uh, you know, it was just uh, it was a good it was a good weekend all in all. Jeremy Doss picked up his first um, showdown um, uh, his first showdown um, modified win. Who was yeah, Jeremy Doss was last That's year's cool. um, he was last year's uh, last year's champion. Plus, he was last year's um, Kawiki driver developmental program driver, which they're running, they're running that, that thing, the contest right now, you know, who's going to be the, the wow. goalkeeper, you know, yeah. And, and last year, Jeremy Doss won it. So he, he represented, you know, the, the program really well. You know, did a lot of stuff with the McDonald's charities and, and every stop he would make, he would go to a McDonald's house or go to somewhere, you know, he would deliver food and, you know, whatever, whatever um, donations he got, you know, he would take it, you know, you know, to McDonald's charity. So it was a really good, really mm-hmm. good charity event. You know, we had a couple of, uh, of contest participants in, in the showdown this year, which was Cole Raz and, and Brandon Farrington, who we had on the show before. Well, I was going to go through the top 10 here because uh, people who have listened <clears throat> to our show will recognize quite a few of these names as drivers who have been on our show. Uh, Derek Thorne, of course, uh, the, the hometown, uh, uh, winner this year in the winter showdown. Shepard came, Buddy Shepard came home a strong second, followed by Dylan Lupton, uh, Preston Peltier, uh, I, I forget Gnome's first name, Jacob Gomes. Yeah, Jacob Gomes, yeah. Uh, Kyle Nabo, uh, Blaine Rocha, Christian McGee, Kale Kinky, and Dean Thompson. So uh, there's quite a few of those drivers that have been on our show. Actually, we just had Christian McGee on last week, <clears throat> or the week before. Yeah, last week from his win from the um, from the Chili Willie 150, and then we had Dean Thompson on mm-hmm. also the week before mm-hmm. that on his championship and California State Championship and his Bay Model Championship from Murrendale and the Spears um, SRL. Um, uh, Rookie of the Year last year. Um, we've had uh, Preston Peltier on, I think once. Mm-hmm. Or, we had Preston Peltier a couple couple years ago when he had um, when he had beat Derek Thorne at um, at Herndale Speedway. And I know we've had Dylan Lupton on a, a couple times. Oh yeah. 
Yes, indeed. Uh, I wanted to go over the points here, too, Sal, because uh, these guys uh, have a points thing going uh, with some of the regulars that are on here. I don't think uh, Derek's not running full-time this year, is he, in the SRL? Yeah, he's running full-time. They haven't updated the points. Uh, Brad usually doesn't update the points until Tuesday or Wednesday. So the the points you're going to see, yeah, that's why he's so long on the list. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, you're right. Brad used the updates on Wednesday, and then, um, okay. and then of course, Derek will move up with his win. But the the one at Preston Peltier isn't running this. He's not running full time this season. Um, he's only going to run a part time schedule this season. And I think going down that list, I think Dylan Lupton is is running a full time. Jacob Gomes always runs full time. Blaine is running full time. Christian McGee is only running a part time schedule too. He's not running the, he's not running none of the short tracks. Is what he, what he told us last week when we talked to him on the show. He right. said you know, he was going to run like the like little tracks. He's going to run the big ones. Dean Thompson, of course, is running um also running full time. Oh okay, and this is after just one race, uh, the race that they had on uh, February <clears throat> the sixth. So this does not include the um, winter showdown, but they've got Preston Peltier at the top. You said he's not racing full-time. He won that first race. And then there's Casey Roderick, uh, Jace Hansen, Buddy Shepard in fourth, followed by Jacob Gomes, who is in fifth place. Then it's Cole Raz. That's a name. I remember having Grayson on the show. Uh, The Cole Raz and Tyler Tanner, uh, Kale Tanky. Jonathan McWinney, McWinney, and uh, Chris Davidson rounding out the top ten. But, again, this does not include the winter showdown. It's only the first race of the season that took place on February the 6th. And, actually, Cole Raz is running the full season. And today oh, cool. they announced they announced the seven finalists for the Kowicki Driver Developmental Program. And you got to give a shout-out to Cole Raz. He was one of the – one of the drivers that was picked for the for the next seven, you know, to wind it down, you know, until they get to the um, until they get to the uh, uh, until they get to the finalists, you know, who will be the, the you know their driver developmental program driver. But Cole Colras made the he made the cut. It's you know, so he's in the top seven. That was announced today on um, Speed Fifty One, actually earlier this afternoon. Oh, that's fantastic! Uh, who were some of the other drivers, uh, Sal? You know what? I'm not familiar with any of the other drivers who were who were chosen for it. <clears throat> but um, okay, the only reason, yeah, the only reason I had mentioned, oh, Dylan, Dylan Zampa too, from that's from out here. I oh, forgot, okay. uh, Dylan. Yeah, Dylan Zampa, we've never had on the show. He's a Madeira racer, and um, he was another one that was uh, that was also um, that was another one of the. Um, the, fi- the finalist that was uh, let me see, was it Dylan or was well, it his brother? Let me check. Check real. Yeah, it was Dylan Zampa. Yeah, seventeen-year-old from Napa, California, was the other very was cool. one of the other ones. Now, one of the things that uh, they're doing with the Spirit Southwest Tour this year is they have racing TV, so fans can actually go to the website, srlsouthwesttour.com, and on, they can actually watch uh, all these races on their own TV 
uh, streaming device, and uh, that's pretty cool. But uh, they've got one race or two races now in the books, the All-Star Showdown that took place on February 6th and then the uh, Winter Showdown uh, that took place on March the 20th. Up next is going to be Irwindale Speedway on April the 10th, Bill. Yeah, that's going to be another good one. Um, uh, for that one, we, we we should have a we should have a um, another good um, turnout for that for uh, that race at Irwindale. Yeah, and actually they'll be cool. running all. Actually, they'll be running right. all three of their. They'll be running all three of their um, all three of their series. They'll be running the the uh, pro late models, the modifieds, and the um, and the tour race will all run together, which is all part of this the same. Uh, SRL Southwest uh, Tour Division. Very cool. May 1st, they'll be out at Stockton Speedway. May 22nd, All-American Speedway in Roseville. Uh, They'll be back at Kern County Raceway on uh, June 26th. July 17th, they'll be back at uh, Irwindale Speedway. August 14th, back to Stockton Speedway. And then Saturday, September the 18th, and again at All American Speedway. And then their season is that their season finale Saturday, October the 23rd, at Kern County Raceway. Yeah, that's that'll be their um, <clears throat> that'll be their um, their final, which is usually that's usually run with the um, with the Arkham and Arts, but this season I don't know why they didn't um, why they didn't run them together. Uh, yeah, why they didn't run them together? Yeah, I was, I was really surprised that um that uh you know that that yeah. build and put something together you know with um with Larry and you know get the two the two races together. Yeah, well, I know that uh, we we enjoy following the uh, SRL touring series, and uh, it's been fun being able to do the preview for this second race. The Winter Showdown, I remember when it first began, this was the sixth annual Winter Showdown this year. And uh, it's kind of especially sweet since they couldn't do it last year with the pandemic. Uh, It's kind of cool to see them back in action with the Winter Showdown uh, this season and uh, to see Derek Thorne win at his hometown track. Yeah, it was an exciting win for him. Um, The team... And, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, the whole dynamic, like you said, of it, you know, winning at his home track, you know, made it even, it always makes it that much more special, you know, for him, you know, to, you know, be able to perform in front of, you know, especially with what it came down to him and Buddy Shepard, because Buddy Shepard is a, he's also a local and very, very popular Kern County Raceway. So when Derek and Buddy were battling for the win, that just really made it that much more, more special for the, you know, residents of Bakersfield to see two of their hometown boys, you know, going at it for the win. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, a real treat uh, for everybody to see uh, that race out of Kern County Raceway uh, this past weekend. And, you know, Bakersfield is uh, where Kevin Harvick is from. So I think he's probably run, run a few races at Kern County as well. <clears throat> yeah, he's he's run um, – I think he's ran two two races there and or he's ran I know he's run one for sure and he ran the it was three years ago and he ran the um what was known as a Cannon West race. He, he oh, ran over okay. there at that. He ran there at Kern. Kevin grew up at the old Mesa Marine track 
it's that's no longer there. Basically, Kern was built to mimic Mesa Marin, so Mesa Marin closed some years after. Oh. Um, you know, they they decided to build another racetrack to kind of mimic what what Mesa Marin used to look like. And uh, but Kevin oh, okay. Harvick kind of skipped it, but he is from Bakersfield, so I mean, Mesa Marin wasn't far from from where Kern is now. But yeah, Kevin Harvick is is from up there. Kevin Harvick and a few other. A few of the, the, the racers did a lot of racing up there too. Brett and Gone did a lot of racing up there at um, at Mason Wren. And uh, um, you go back to some of our IndyCar drivers too, who also cut their teeth at the old Mason Wren. Yep. So that's pretty cool. Uh, now, we've, our guest coming up is going to be from the Xfinity Series, uh, and he's a regular on our show. Uh, Joe Graff Jr., I believe, is going to be joining us here tonight. Uh, he raced this past weekend at uh, Atlanta Motor Speedway. He's been doing so good in the Xfinity uh, uh, Series this year. I think he's 17 in the series point standings. But this this particular race wasn't uh, what he was hoping for, I don't think. He was able to run 161 of the laps. He came in uh, 29th in the 07 uh, for SS Greenlight Racing. But uh, he has a lot of really interesting things uh, going on with his race team, Sal. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but Antonio Brown, a few weeks ago, it was announced that he was supporting Joe Graff Jr. this year uh, with some sponsorship as well as some uh, outreach and uh, this past weekend, he had Lil Aaron uh, uh, helping to support his team. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, it is. He's um, <clears throat> boy, what an improvement from last season. I remember we've had him on the show a few times, and um, you know we we're able to talk with him, you know, about some of the things he had going on, along with his um, with his uh, with the uh, schooling and stuff like that. But this year, like mm-hmm. you said, he's really having a he's really having a breakout season this year. Even with the bad finish this past weekend, you know, you did mention, you know, yeah, he's, he's still up there in the points. Eighteenth, he's eighteenth in the points, which I think is probably his best showing. Uh, but I know he's been higher than that because I remember seeing him be in that uh, in that uh, bubble, if you will, for the playoffs. So I expect him to get back up there. Uh, as the season progresses, but it's got to really be helpful to have the kind of support that he's getting from uh, some of the celebrities. Uh, little Richard, I'm sorry, Little Aaron is um, uh, in the music industry, uh, so that's uh, <laughs> that's kind of very cool. From football to music. Yeah, we're starting to see that a lot more. A lot more celebrities getting involved with the um, with the um, with NASCAR, also, I guess Le- LeBron James made an announcement, too, that he was going to jump on one of the NASCAR teams uh, this season. Ooh. So, And then LeBron James? Yeah, the he, he became an investor in Fenway Sports Group, <clears throat> which is part of there the uh, Fenway, yeah, Roush Fenway Racing. So, yeah, yeah. that's we're seeing more and more of that. I mean, it's... They're they're seeing something in racing that I guess other other people never seen in years past, because even 
we even got the Michael Jordan, um, Danny Hamlin team with uh, with Bubba with Bubba Wallace, you know, racing, you know, for a full season this year too. Yes, yes. So uh, you know, all of that is uh, pretty pretty cool. Uh, I'm not sure he's usually here by now, and he's not right now. So I think I'm going to send a text message real quick. Um, if uh, maybe you want to. Uh, Oh, um, let's see what we can do here <laughs> while I'm doing that. We had, uh, oh, that's right. we had the, I, I forgot we had truck racing this weekend, too. <laughs> yeah, we've got the truck race this weekend as well. Yeah. So, I um, forgot we had it. I'm, I'm just so – I'm getting over the, the – the pain meds that they that they give me in the hospital. So yeah, just um, kind of going over what okay. some of the highlights from this past weekend. Okay, yeah. Why don't you do that? Then while I send a message here, and I'll keep an eye on the uh, queue as well. Yeah, it was it was a I it was a uh, I mean we're I, I know we're going to get into the who won the race and and probably uh, some of some of the little things that happened. Is he back? Is he on? No, I've got a note here. Um he can't make it tonight. Okay, Chris Chris may come on though. Okay. Okay, let me send him the number. Who's Chris? You know Chris. Okay, so I just sent him the number, so uh, we may get a call from him. Uh, it's one of these things that, that sometimes happens, but sometimes things happen at the last minute and, uh, you know, that are unforeseen. And unfortunately, I didn't see that message until just now. So we'll keep an eye out for Chris, and uh, maybe he can come on and talk with us. In the meantime, Sal, uh, let's... Uh, Let's see if we can go to the truck series and start that review. Um, okay. And we'll go 20 and 20 okay. uh, with the truck series review. Uh, now then, hold up. Let me get there. Yeah. I've got to at the same time kind of keep an eye on the queue here. Okay, the last race was the Freight Auctions 200 at Atlanta Motor Speedway for the uh, truck series. And uh, Kyle Push, one of the few races that he's racing this season, uh, came out as the winner. If you remember the last time that uh, Kyle Busch raced in the truck series, he came in second to John Hunter Nemechek. And uh, so this time he was able to bring it home first uh, and uh, rack up a victory for himself. He uh, pretty much dominated the race. He led 102 of 130 laps. It was his first of the season, his sixth at Atlanta, and the 60th career win. Uh, Only NASCAR Hall of Famer Ron Hornaday Jr. even comes close 
to Bush's total. He's amassed 51 truck wins during his career. Uh, Austin Hill finished in second place, followed by John Hunter Nemechek, who started from the pole uh, and won both of the opening stages. Uh, he finished third. Johnny Sauter in fourth place. Sheldon Creed in fifth. Uh, then we've got uh, Zane Smith, Ross Chastain, and Matt Crafton taking the spots uh, four through eight. Then it was Brett Moffat who started at the rear of the field after his team was forced to change an engine just an hour before the race. He was able to rally and finish ninth. And the number 52 is Stuart Friesen rebounded from a late race penalty after his uh, pit crew lost control of a tire during a pit stop, and he was able to finish 10th in that truck series race. So your thoughts about that, Sal? Yeah, it was another kind of another runaway win by Kyle Busch. Um, at least it came without, you know, a little bit of controversy like his last, his, well, his last time he finished second, you know. Well, actually... This one did come with a little bit of controversy. A lot of a lot of the fans were saying, you know, that Kyle let John Hunter Nemechek, you know, win the first two stages. But um, you know yeah, what? It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who wins the stages. You know what? The bottom line is who wins the race. I mean, you know what? <clears throat> Need to get off the, you know, this guy's blocking for that blocking. He's blocking for that blocking because it happens every race. We just don't see the whole race, so we don't really know what's going mm-hmm. on. But the bottom line is Kyle Busch was dominant. You know, and you got to give the guys props. I mean, you love him or hate him, you know, he's out there racing. You know, it's funny that if, if another cup driver comes and races in the truck series, nobody says nothing. But when Kyle Busch comes and he wins, you know, then they complain, well, he shouldn't be able to come here and race. But you know what? It's it's The drivers like him being there. You know, they learn a lot from him. And, um, you know, and he has every right. NASCAR made the rules, and he has every right, you know, to be there. But you know, it was another dominating win, you know, and, and and to dominate any series the way he's dominated the trucks and Xfinity, you've got to take your hats off because they are not an easy series to dominate. you got a lot of top-notch teams, a lot of top-notch drivers, and for him to do it part-time is is, a, is an amazing feat because even the regulars can't do it as often as he, as he does it. Okay. Uh, Chris Knight is here now, Chris, uh, or Sal, so I'm going to bring him into the queue here. Uh, first of all, Chris, welcome to the show. It's been a long yeah, time since we've had you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm pitch hitting tonight, but uh, more than happy to, to, to be on with you guys and talk a little NASCAR. Okay, well, thank you, Chris. We do appreciate it. Uh, I know you were at Atlanta. Were you at Atlanta this weekend for all the races? Okay, awesome. So what was the highlight for you this weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway? I felt like the, the, the races were uncharacteristically uh, not what I was expecting when I go to Atlanta. I expected we, we, we that was, I thought we would see a little bit more, more cautions than we did on Saturday, especially in the NASCAR Truck Series race. That's probably one of the most cleanest Truck Series races I've ever seen in Atlanta Motor Speedway. And the Xfinity race uh, definitely had its, its fair share of drama. And then the Cup Series race, other than – Kurt Busch getting crunched into the wall from Denny Hamlin and Chase Elliott losing the engine. I really felt like that other, you know, other than the late race pass for the lead from Ryan Blaney, it was an uncharacteristic Atlanta race, but we're so used to seeing um, things kind of just break out and happen, right? We just really didn't see that. 
it was a kind of a cool, calm collective weekend in Atlanta where everybody was just being cautious and, and getting through. And the most exciting race of the weekend uh, was the NASCAR Xfinity Series, and it seems like lately that the NASCAR Xfinity Series has been the most exciting series in NASCAR. It, it really has been. You know, there was a time when I, I was uh, worried about the Xfinity Series because it just didn't seem like the racing was as exciting as it was in the Truck Series or in the Cup Series. But that's all changed. And I think part of – my perspective is I think maybe part of the reason is that we've had drivers come down from the Cup Series. We've had, mm-hmm. uh, you know, drivers kind of stay in the Xfinity Series a little bit longer. Uh, and I think that it's made the racing a whole lot better. But what's, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I, I think it's a, a pairing of, of drivers and teams and new teams coming in. And obviously we, we're seeing a fair share. You know, last year in 2020, we were averaging 30, anywhere between 35 and 36 teams a weekend. And unfortunately, with no qualifying, you know, we would see as, as many as 43, 44 Xfinity teams show up. And obviously right now, with no qualifying, 40 is our top number, but you know, uh, you still have Jordan Anderson and Ronnie Bassett Jr., who are guys who are trying to get starts going in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. And unfortunately, with no qualifying at Daytona, those guys won't have an opportunity to even attempt to qualify for a NASCAR Xfinity Series race yeah. until May at, at Circuit of the Americas. So, um, the really that dynamic, you know, you wouldn't have had that situation last year, but this year, just with a lot of interest in, in the Xfinity Series and the competitiveness. And the competitive level in, in the driver and team combos, it really is making it for a fascinating season in NASCAR. You know, the trucks go to Bristol Motor Speedway for the dirt race this weekend, and you have 40, <laughs> uh, I think I saw 46 entries for that for that truck series race on, on Saturday night. And that's the first race since Daytona where they'll have to actually have an opportunity to qualify, which is why you're seeing so many entries into that race. Yeah, that that is going to be exciting. Uh, and I, I, I don't know. Uh, what are your thoughts about uh, the racing next weekend on Bristol Dirt? Because uh, it, it's it's something that we've never done before. So I think yeah. there's a few unknowns there. <laughs> there's there's a lot of unknowns there, and it's gonna and it's a a fact and matter of his trial and error. Look, I give credit to Bristol Motor Speedway, Marcus Smith. Um, you know everybody over at Bristol Motor Speedway for stepping up to the game. Um, um, you know, we're stepping up the game and trying to change, trying to change the layout. I hate it. it's Bristol in the spring because I usually love going to Bristol in the spring and watching uh, the Xfinity and Cup Series get it on in the Oval. I feel like that Bristol is one of my favorite races of the year, but now we're going back there on dirt where nobody knows what's going to happen, right? And so we'll see what happens <laughs> during yeah. practice and, and we'll see what happens during practice and the heat races on, on Saturday. And, and look, this will either be a, where we see continue to move into the future or it's going to be a one-and-done thing, you know. Uh, they're at least trying it to see what kind of response and see what kind of uh, race they can put together. And if it works out where it's favorable and the racing is good and people are happy at the end of the day, then we could see it come back. If it doesn't work for whatever reason, if the track compound isn't good or the racing isn't good, then uh, they can say, well, at least we gave it a shot and we tried it. So I like that Bristol Motor Speedway as a whole uh, is willing to take that shot of, of at least – making an effort to try something at least once and then seeing how it delivers. And But I, I will tell you this, I think it's one of the most anticipated events of the weekend, and I know a lot of people are excited about it. I, I was just going to say that I do know a lot of people are definitely looking forward to this race next weekend. Now, Sal's here with us tonight, and I know he may have a few questions for you as well, so I'm going to pass uh, the mic over to Sal. 
Yeah, you know, back on that Bristol being this weekend, I just hope it doesn't turn into the Bristol that we've been seeing these past two weeks, you know, with the sprint cars and the, you know, the, the late models on it. There's been a lot of nasty wrecks, a lot of awful crashes, and a lot yeah. of torn up equipment. I just, I, just hope, I just hope we don't see the same thing, you know, with the trucks, but not so much with the trucks, but more with the, with the, with the uh, cup cars because they're going to be traveling a lot faster. So, so the feedback that I've gotten from the industry is that they're not necessarily concerned much about uh, the accidents because they're heavier cars, right? Um, and we've seen, uh, we've, it's not the first time that we've seen NASCAR as a whole be under, you know, obviously the trucks have raced at Eldora in the past. So I think people are expecting crashes. But I think the main, the biggest concern from the teams uh, as a whole is, is keeping that track wet enough, right? So it doesn't become a dust, dust storm. Because if it becomes a dust storm, it's going to be hard not only for the drivers, but it's going to be hard for the spotters. So I think that that's going to be the biggest thing that, that the, the teams have to work against um, and, the, and the track has to do this weekend. And I think as long as the track stays on top of that between the heat and, and between the racing, then I think we're going to be a good deal. I know that there's been some concern about the crashes and, and the severity of the crashes, but I just don't think that that's going to be something that we necessarily see uh, in, in the NASCAR races. Now, I, I will say that I think that we'll have if, – if somebody crashes, we'll probably have to see several cars and trucks be involved in it but I don't see anything that gives me a great cause for concern. Yeah, you know, speaking about the track prep, you know, I know they're doing their best with the track prep, you know, and this being, you know, the, I guess the first time, you know, they're out there on the on the dirt like this, but we've seen what happened at in Vegas with the Can-N West series yeah. a few years ago, you know, when they went out to the dirt, you know, and, and they brought in the best track prep guys possible and, Oh my gosh, that was that Thursday night race. It was a mess. It was just it was, it was dusty, dirty, and they just couldn't keep the track. Uh, they couldn't keep it moist enough, you know, for the heavier stock cars. For the uh, for the sprints, it was okay because the guy already knows how to prep for the sprints. But when but when they're trying to keep it, um, they're trying to keep it uh, um, under control for the for the heavier stock cars. They was, you know, I mean, you've seen what happened. I mean, it was yep. a, it was a dust storm the first lap. You can even see the cars coming down the coming down the front stretch. And, and- and I think NASCAR on the track will have a good indication of what they can expect before the races with practice going on on Friday and especially the heats going on on Saturday. Obviously, we'll have the heat races for the truck series and then the heat races for the cup series. And then, obviously, the trucks are under the lights on Saturday and then the cup races at 3 o'clock on Sunday on Fox. So um, it's definitely going to be a weekend that we remember. But I, I'm curious to see, you know, if, if this does work, is this something that becomes more permanent at Bristol? Or do they try to move this around to other racetracks uh, within the SMI platform? We'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. But obviously, um, fans are, are craving for something uh, out of the box, and this is definitely out of the box. And and you know, the truck series race, I know that we're 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 expected to see a lot of the regulars in the truck series, but this truck series race on Saturday is is bound to be flooded with a, a array of Cup Series driver, with Gina Suarez <laughs> being the latest that's been added to that list, driving for Young's Motorsports that was announced. Uh, late this evening, so uh, I'm curious to see uh, how these Cup guys will adapt. And if running the truck race on Saturday will definitely be an aid for them uh, on Sunday. And, and wouldn't it be cool if uh, Stuart Friesen was able to race with with his wife uh, on on Saturday night? I think that would be a great um, a great thing. That would be the first time that we've seen a, a husband and wife race in NASCAR since Patty Moise and Elm Sawyer did it back in the '90s. Yeah, yeah, it's something to look forward to. I mean, I, 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 I know as far as the the hype and all that, you know, it's there. You know, the the excitement, especially, you know, especially, you know, for, you know, like, you know, it's it's uh um it's an unknown, just like when the Roval came to 
to Shari or whatever yep. it is, looking forward to that. But, you know, Chris, I have, a, I have a question. What was it like last year to cover races under the COVID protocol, you know, with, you know, with, with not having – from what I heard, the access wasn't, you know, what, what, you know, yeah. what, what, you know, what we're used to. Because I know as a photographer, yeah. we were kind of, we were kind of butted out of the races this year. They let us come back, but we're only allowed on the outside of the track. We're not allowed in, in garages. Right. We're not allowed in pit lane. We're not allowed in victory lane. You know, so they really cut our access. But I mean, with you guys as media, you know, you guys need to get out there and get these stories. What was it like to have to deal with the COVID protocol? Well, it's still much of the same in 2021 that it was in 2020. You know, uh, it's officially on lockdown. Unless you're an essential, even an essential worker, you are working outside the racetrack, whether that be from the suites or the grandstands, uh, or you know, or even a photographer that's just working on the outside of the racetrack. We, it's it it's, it has been easy, and and for someone like like me who has a lot of friends in the garage, um, it's been very hard to not be in that garage, being able to see your friends on a weekly basis, and it's been over a year. Um, I think we'll get back there at a certain time in 2021, but um, at this point, you have to rely on your sources um, and your connections in order to do do your job. Yeah, because I know I spoke with a couple of the team owners, and uh, and I know last year was hard for them, especially with, you know, with uh, um, uh, Cole Custer, you know, was his rookie year, and I was talking with Cindy and Joe throughout the season. They weren't allowed at the track. You know, Cindy yeah. said the hardest thing for me was not seeing my son in his rookie year, especially when he won his first race. And Joe was right. the same way. Joe goes, here, I'm a team owner, Sal. He goes, and I'm I'm stuck watching from a hotel room. He goes, I, I, I can't even go in because we have to have the what they require to go in, the number of, of you know, of employees. He goes, he goes, unfortunately, I'm not one that needs to be there. Yeah, and, and I think NASCAR, at this point last year, once they came back from COVID, uh, the COVID shutdown. The, I think their main point was to try to uh, do the best that they could um, to get through the end of the season, which they were able to do successfully without a major outbreak. And then, uh, you know, obviously as we started 2021, some of those protocols have been relaxed. And I think as we go on during the year, uh, we'll see more and more of those protocols get relaxed and we'll get accustomed to a new uh, normal as we move into probably the summer and fall months of 2021, and hopefully by 2022 it'll be similar to what we had uh, pre-pandemic. At least I hope, and I, I think there's a lot in the garage area. I know that there's a lot of sponsors that are uh, that are eager to get back in the garage, that are, that are hungry to get back in the garage, because uh, obviously for the sponsors it's their lifeline being able to bring, uh, um, you know, uh, partners and, and uh, customers and employees to the racetrack and being able to uh, basically, um, you know, give them uh, uh, a, a time and a place to get their mind off uh, everyday problems. And so I hope that we're able, uh, I think we're making progress, and I think we'll continue to make progress as we get deeper and deeper into, this, into the 2021 season. Yeah, that's always good news to hear. Now with that, I'm going to turn it back over to Sharon. Okay, uh, Chris, uh, I want to make sure we, we say a little something about Joe Graff Jr. Uh, I know this yeah. past weekend wasn't the race that he wanted to, to have, uh, but he's been doing really well this year. This is kind yeah. of a banner year for Joe, right? Yeah, he he really, he's really started uh, the season off on, on, on a good foot, and I'm really excited to see uh, what, what Joe's been doing. You know, he's coming out of the box with a top 11 finish at Daytona and then to continue to back it up, and he's got – you know, three top 20s in the first six races. And I obviously um, got a little bit behind. The car was just way too loose uh, during that first uh, run to the, the competition caution this past week in Atlanta. But they, they, the team continues to make steady gains 
which is important as we try to move forward and and be on a good foot. And I think uh, you know they'll take a couple weeks off and then they'll regroup and go to Martinsville. And Martinsville's a tough track, but Joe was able to do a great job and stay on the lead lap for the entire race uh, at Martinsville Speedway last weekend. So I think you know it's a new crew chief that he's working with. Uh, definitely bringing in new partners. It seems like every single race uh, he's announcing mm-hmm. a new partner here. I'm really he's really committed on stepping up his uh, his his off track program working with Josh Wise and Scott Speed, and I think uh, having the ability to be a part of that program with Josh Wise and Scott Speed has been benefactor, and, and I, I'm just so fortunate to be able to work with him, with guys like him, uh, you know, Gustine, Austin Wayne himself, um, and, you know, and, and even working alongside my friend Austin Theriot with Howie D. Savino. Um, so I, there's just a lot of great things going on in the sport and a lot of good young kids that are, that are, are, are fresh and and bold and aren't scared and, and getting up on the wheel and doing great things. And I just am fortunate enough to be a part of it. Well, and it is fun to watch, uh, to see, you know, these drivers uh, bringing in all these different personalities from football and music and, and, yeah. Yes, it is great things. And I, and I hope it's a, con- a trend that continues. Uh, we're going to have to say good night, <laughs> but okay. Chris, you're always welcome back uh, anytime. And uh, I just want you to know we are enjoying our conversations with Joe, and uh, we're sorry we missed him tonight, but uh, we'll look forward to talking to him again next time. Yeah, he's doing a little bit. Of, he's doing a little bit of preparation with uh, uh, his teams, and uh, you know that that comes. Unfortunately, we thought he'd be done early enough tonight, and fortunately, it's gone a little bit long. So I didn't, I didn't mind pitch hitting and and come and give you guys a glimpse of what's, what's ahead. But a lot of good things on the NASCAR ladder, ladder to come forward. And anytime you guys want me to come on and talk about it, I'd be more than happy to. Oh, thank you, Chris. And thank you for pinch hitting tonight. Uh, we, we really appreciate everything that you do. Okay, take care. Thanks, guys. Okay, take care now. All right, that was Chris Knight. And uh, Chris Knight, uh, a lot of people know him as part of the media every weekend at the racetrack, and uh, uh, he gave us a lot of really good information there. So, yeah, it was a it was a nice a nice conversation to get somebody you know, you know that that's you know that's inside you know see what's going on you know especially you know you know with the pandemic you know and some of the changes that are you know that that some of the fans don't see you know or, or realize you know how tough it's made their job you know you know having to cover you know, the, you know, the race, the way they do, you know, not only that, but the teams, you know, the drivers they're involved with and stuff like that, you know, it's just, it can't be easy, you know, with the restrictions that are put on them. Exactly. And uh, that's, that's just it. There's so many restrictions right now and uh, everybody's making the best of it though. And uh, I think that's the main thing is that everybody's making the best of a, the situation as it is and uh, doing the very best that they can do. Uh, real quick, let's go ahead um, and finish off our truck series review with the uh, series point standings. Okay, let me uh, let me get back to that part of my thing, and we're right here. This is uh, Auctions 200 from Atlanta Motor Speedway, and the driver points are as – we got the John Hunter Nemechek who's leading the points. Ben Rhodes second. Sheldon Creed holding on to the third spot. Matt Crafton of fourth, and Stuart Friesen uh, wraps out wraps out the top uh, top five in the um, in the point standings for the um, for the uh, Campy World uh, Truck Series. Um, and then from there, okay. then we go down to Austin. I'll oh, go ahead. 
I was just going to say, Ben Rose, of course, has the two wins. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek with one win. Those are the only two winners in the sport. Uh, so uh, we're hoping to maybe get a new winner uh, coming up <laughs> yeah. at, at this weekend. I, I, I didn't want to say anything, but I was thinking the same thing. Um, wow. Okay, so... And, and then, and then from there, we go down to Austin Hill. We just had a good run this past weekend at Atlanta. Yes, yeah. sitting in second. Johnny Sauter, Zane Smith, who's 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 been slowly climbing that ladder. He's up in eighth. Grant Infinger in ninth. And then the highest the highest rookie so far this year is Carson Hosovar in uh, tenth with um with uh, Chandler Smith one point right behind him in a in a, one of the Cowbush um, Cowbush Motorsports trucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chandler's been uh, kind of at the top of that list until this weekend, and Carson Hosepar, uh went right by him in 10 spots there. And like you say, it's just a one-point difference. So I think we're going to see uh, some interesting things go on. And the other thing to note here is that it's the 10 drivers this year in the truck series that goes on to the playoffs. So uh, these guys are going to be battling both back and forth, I think, over – uh, whether one or the other or both of them are going to make it into the playoffs this season. Exactly. You know what? And then you got um, Todd Gillen who's down there in 12th. You know what? Todd, really, we haven't seen him this last year, really didn't fire off the way we thought he was. And hopefully this year, you know, we can see, you know, bigger and better things from, you know, Todd Gillen, mm-hmm. you know, as far as, you know, you know, his uh, seen him advancing in the, in the, um, in the trucks, but man, John Hunter Emichek has really been a—he's really been a standout, you know, this year, you know, with the one win, you know, and the, you know, and the, and the, you know, the good solid finishes, you know, but you know, then you look at the truck team he's part of, you know, and then plus his upbringing, you know, he spent a lot of time, you know, in super late models and you know, um, tuning yep. his, you know, a lot of seat time, you know, you know, to make the transition into the truck series. Yeah, it 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 is uh, going to be interesting. He's on his way to a championship right now with with uh, leading the series point standings. But of course, when the playoffs begin, uh, if they were to begin now, Ben Rhodes would kind of jump over him. Uh, but I'm hoping that we see Ben Rhodes kind of come back uh, and get some more victories before this is all said and done as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we will. I'm sure. We, I'm sure we. I'm sure there's still some race wins left and. And a, and a few of the drivers, you know, so far, you know, that are, you know, that are running not only full-time but part-time, um, you know, as far as, um, you know, um, you know Johnny Sauter. I mean, Matt Crafting is usually good for a win or two, you know, the crafty veteran. And, and uh, you know, I mean, you know, just looking up and down the uh, up and down the um, the uh, list, you know, it's going to be a it's going to be a, it's going to be a good season for them. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard to get into that top ten. It is. It is. Okay, now we're going to go ahead and move on to the Xfinity Series, uh, the Echo Park, uh, I think it was the Echo Park 250 uh, for the Xfinity Series. Justin Algauer was the winner. He held off uh, Martin Truex Jr. over the final run of Saturday's race. Uh, it was his first win of the season. Uh, it looked like Truex was going to win the race. He led a race high 103 laps in, in route to finishing second in his first Xfinity Series race in 11 years. 
Uh, third place driver was Harrison Burton. Noah Gregson finished in third place. I'm sorry, uh, fourth place. And AJ Allmendinger uh, rounds out the top five. Yeah, Justin Algar. I know we've been talking about him in weeks past after every after every um, uh, Xfinity race, and we were saying, you know, that. If there was one driver, I think, on our scope, then that was Justin Algar that we knew eventually would, you know, would end up getting a race with before the season is over. Yes, indeed. Uh, and it was really fun to see him uh, get that victory over Martin Truex Jr. Uh, I'm sure that made it uh, pretty special for him as well. Uh, going through the next five drivers, Riley Earps in the number 98 car finished in sixth place. Michael Annette. Uh, Justin Haley, Daniel Hemrick, and Ryan Sieg uh, round out the top 10 drivers. Now, Truex swept the first two stages. It was the fourth consecutive race of Atlanta that the same driver, driver won each of the first two stages. There were six lead changes among five drivers, seven cautions for 37 laps, and the average speed of the race was 115.117 miles per hour. Uh, your thoughts about that, Sal? You know, it's good to see Riley get up there in the, you know, to get that sixth place spot because, you know, it seems like Stuart Haas Racing this season is behind the, you know, behind the curve a little bit. You know, it seems like they're mm-hmm. just not firing on all eight cylinders, and for whatever reason, you know, the the team as a whole is struggling. You know, and to see, you know, Riley, you know, you know, get that, you know, get that um, spot up. I remember back when. It seemed like every time Stuart Haas was kind of struggling, it seemed like their Xfinity team always, you know, rose to the top because when we seen Cole Custer, you know, the, the seasons, you know, that he drove with um, Stuart Haas racing, you know, even though they were struggling, it seemed like Cole always picked up, you know, was able to get a, you know, a good finish or, or else grab a win in the Xfinity series, you know. So it's good to see that their Xfinity series program, you know, is doing its job, you know, as far as, you know, developing drivers, whether it be for them to be the next cup driver for the team or, or you know, just you know, you know, just to, you know, to be to be to be that developmental team and see the, the success they're having, even though the team is struggling, is 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 huge for them right now. Well, I know one of the, it is huge for them right now, and and uh, you know, we are seeing some glimmers of hope there at Stuart Haas Racing. Uh, Kevin Harvick had some. Uh, runs up in the top there for a little bit and then would fall back. But you're right, they seem to be a little behind this season. Uh, But I think by the time we get to the midpoint of this season, uh, we're going to see more out of that organization. But it was really great uh, to see Riley Earps uh, get that sixth-place finish this weekend. Now, one of the things that I know we're probably going to talk about on Hot Topics tonight, Sal, is uh, the pit road incident between Daniel Hemrick and uh, Noah Gregson. Uh, Just to kind of give an overview of what happened here, Daniel Hemrick, uh, because somebody, I forget who was behind him, but because whoever was behind him on pit road uh, was positioned a little bit in his box, it caused him to overshoot his box into Noah Gregson's box, and so he had to back up. Uh, and, of course, Noah Gregson had a hard time as well uh, coming into his box because of that. And so when he backed up uh, to reposition, he backed into 
uh, Daniel Hemrick's car causing some damage. Uh, Daniel was not real happy with that, and there was a fight on pit road. Uh, when Nora was talking to the media, uh, Daniel Hemrick came up to have a little discussion, if you will, and uh, a fight ensued. So what are your thoughts about what happened there? You know, Sharon, I've I seen the replay, and and they both tweeted it from the top view of, you know, from the, you know, the top of the pit box. <clears throat> Noah's box in front of him was completely empty. He could have pulled up into that next box and backed up into his. Now, mm-hmm. I understand, you know, it's a time, it's a timing thing. You know what? He needed to get in and out as fast as he could. I don't, it, 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 it's tough to call. You know what? I, 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 I kind of think that Noah's, I don't. I don't think he appreciated what Daniel did, and maybe that was his way of retaliating in a slight way. But I think any time you put a, a team, or you put, uh, you know, the over the wall gang, you know, in, in danger like that, and you back up into a car, you know, I think that that's something that needs to be addressed, not just you know, kind of brushed under the carpet. Um, a lot mm-hmm. of drivers went on Twitter, including Danny Hamlin, and said that's a huge no-no. You know what? That was wrong. You know what Noah did especially, you know, when you look at, you know, the, the whole pit box in front of him was, you know, there was no one in there. So he could have easily pulled up and pulled back. But for whatever reason, he pulled in, pulled in light. And supposedly, you see his hand go out the window. Supposedly he flipped Hamrick off too. Daniel said he flipped him off, mm-hmm. gave him the finger, and then moved forward, and mm-hmm. then he moved back. And then that's when he, been, you know, ran into him. Um, with Noah's attitude that he's had of lately, you know, he's, he's been on edge. You know, he's, he's been angry. You know, so you got to you got to factor all that in to what happened on Noah's end. But then on Daniel's end, you got to also factor in that he overshot his pit box, you know, and try to do the best he could, you know, to get into his box. So I mean, you know, you kind of felt bad for you know the call that NASCAR made. I know a lot of people wanted Noah to get fined for it, you know, or disciplined for it. They said that they didn't see it as something that was incidental. But I think the contact alone should have drew a fine or should have drew something when you when you hit another competitor's car like that, especially when they're already working on the car. You know, I mean, if he had backed in and went forward, you know, and wedged his way in. But I think any time you make contact on pit road, especially backing up, backing up is a is a no-no. Somebody made a, made a point to say, you know what, NASCAR maybe should change the ruling on that. And if you miss the pit box, you can't back up. You have to just go around again and come back in again in your pit box. And that would and that yeah. would that would alleviate all these problems. You won't have that anymore because if you miss it, then you go around again. You come back in, and I thought that was a very, pretty a good penalty, suggestion. It's almost a penalty, though, whether, if that happens. Yeah, you know, but, but I but mean, here's how I saw it, Sal. Because uh, <clears throat> what happened to Noah Gregson is exactly the same thing that happened to Daniel Hemrick. Uh, the guy in front of da- behind Daniel Hemrick did the same thing. He slid in, and he had to back up. So, you know, Daniel Hemrick didn't flip the guy off or, you know, back into his car. Uh, And that shows maturity. I think what Noah Gregson did shows his immaturity, and that's been a lot of his issue, is that he's not looking at these things from a bigger picture perspective. I, I understand why he was frustrated. I get it. Uh, Nor Gregson, or I mean, uh, Daniel Hemrick was probably frustrated too because he had to back up uh, in order to get back into his pit. So uh, 
I, I just think that uh, I, that it was a dangerous situation. He could have very easily hurt somebody by doing what he did, and for that reason alone, uh, I felt like there should. He got pulled into the hauler. I'm sure he was spoken to, uh, and maybe they considered that somewhat of a warning, warning for Noah. But uh, uh, I really think he was not taking into perspective how dangerous what he did was. So um, I think from that perspective, yeah, I agree. I think maybe there should have been a penalty. But, uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Maybe maybe at some point something will click there and Noah will uh, take a little bit different perspective uh, on things and uh, go well, up see, a little bit. And then, and then NASCAR wasn't really clear on that. They said they weren't going to take any action on, on what happened on Pitt Road. They didn't say nothing about the fight afterwards. Oh, you know what? And okay. They said, so, because I went back and reread it, and I think I read something about that. They, you know, basically in a nutshell, they said, you know, what happened on Pit Road? You know, with the, because all they explained, you know, was the back and forth, you know, of him going back and forth, you know, on Pit Lane, you know, what, and hitting Daniel Hemrick's car, and then I think, mm-hmm. I'm, don't quote me on it, but I think they said something about, you know, that they that they didn't really look at the fight, but you know, you got to look at that too because Noah, I understand I Daniel agree. went into his interview but you know what you don't just take a swing at somebody you know yeah daniel came in kind of strong you know and said you know but i mean come on no if you're gonna fight at least hit the guy this is like the third fight he's gotten into and, and never makes contact so maybe he, <laughs> maybe he needs to learn how to fight you know and instead of going for the head go for the body or or do something else you know what but i mean geez dude if you're gonna throw a punch don't throw a punch and then you get punched back without at least getting the if you're gonna throw the first punch at least make it connect you know mm-hmm. but um you know, and, and I, well, I just I just think it, it goes into what me and another media guy were talking to during the during the whole season. You know, is that Noah's changed? His, his attitude has changed. You know, he has and he's he's real has. bitter right now. You know what? And and I'm sure there's a lot that factors into him being bitter. But you know, it, and this ain't the first time that it's that it's happened this season. You know, for him to react like that. But I mean, but to react with your car, you know what? And, and not have any have any respect, you know, that, you know, there's guys, you know, that are unprotected working on that car. Like you said, Daniel That's pulled right. in and didn't hit nobody. And why, why did Noah pull in and have to, you know, you know, have to, you know, run into him like that? You know, it was, um, it was an awful situation all the way around, but, you know, NASCAR's going to handle it the way they want and they really need to make a, they, they got to take a stance on it. I mean, even Junior took a stance and said, you know what, we're just going to let Noah be, you know, Noah be Noah. You know, I, I think yeah. he's, I think Junior's already set up with this. Okay, Seth, yeah. okay. <laughs> okay, let's go ahead and cover the uh, series point standings. <laughs> okay, Before so the series point standings, yeah, series point standings right now are, um, we still have uh, uh, Austin Cedric still leading the points. Uh, Daniel Hemrick still in second. Harrison Burton in third. A.J. Almendinger fourth. And Justin Haley round out the top five. It's good to see A.J. Almendinger having a good season. You know, they give him a full ride, a full-time ride, you know, and he's taking more than advantage of, you know, of course he's already got the one win, but to see, you know, so, so high up in the standing, especially what he went through with, um, when he was with Penske, you know, with the suspension, you know, and, you know, I, I don't care if anybody says mm-hmm. that marks your career for the rest of your life. Yeah, but I, I like you say it's really good to see him racing full time this season and uh doing as well as he's doing, not just on the road courses, 
but on the ovals as well. So I think this has been a good experience. Uh, A.J. Allmendinger is one of the reasons why uh, I think the series is, is so much fun to watch, uh, you know, as some of the guys that are coming down from the other series and, and racing in the series and the other guys that are are uh, staying in the series a little bit longer than maybe they used to. I, I, I love it. I, I think it's uh, become one of the more fun series to watch. So let's go ahead and hit the rest of them. And one, one quick thing, Sharon, and it's good to see the second and third generation drivers doing so well. John Hunter Nemechek, Harrison Burton, yeah. you know, Chase Elliott, you know, all these second generation, third generation drivers, you know, they're up there, you know, the, and they're, you know, holding their own. So that, that's always a good sign. So then anyways, yeah, going, put going down to, in there too. Yeah, that's we're, we're, Jeb Burton is actually my, my next, he's sixth on the list. So then we got mm-hmm. Jeb Burton, uh, Maya Snyder, uh, Justin Algar, Jeremy Clements, Brandon Jones. Uh, we're going to go to do just do the top 12 right away. Brandon Brown and Riley Herbst moves into that, into that, finally yeah. moved into that 12 spot into the, so now he's the cup man. Yeah, yeah, that's really good to see. Some really uh, great names to see in that group with Myatt, Jeb Burton, Myatt Snyder, uh, Jeremy Clements, uh, Brandon Brown. Uh, I was happy for Riley Earps to see his name in that group. Uh, I love seeing these uh, names and from teams that are not your top-tier teams uh, running and being as competitive as they are in this uh, Xfinity series. It's, it's really good to see it. It is. You know what? And the Xfinity series is getting to be, I think it's this, like you said, this season, it, it, it's really been, you know, a heck of a season to watch. You know, it's a lot, you know, a lot of, you know, you know, a lot, a lot of good racing. You know, it's Myatt Snyder, you know, to, you know, to be holding on to that seventh spot too, you know, you got to, you know, take your ass off on him, you know, making the, um, you know, the, the trans, you know, the transition into the Xfinity, you know, having such a good season. And, you know, like you mentioned about AJ Allmendinger making, making it fun to watch, you know, fun to, fun to watch and then Jeb Burton I mean gosh Jeb Burton we're used to we just we would just mention him and now and now he's a he's a weekly uh you know he's mentioned weekly you know because you know the mm-hmm. that he's having. yeah it's it's very very cool to see okay we're going to go ahead and move on now to our cup series the quick trip 500 uh, the Folds of Honor Quick Trip 500 at Atlanta Motor Speedway this weekend was won by Ryan Blaney. Uh, it was his first win of the year. The streak continues, six races, six different winners. Uh, this was Ryan Blaney's first win at Atlanta, the fifth win of his career. Uh, Kyle Larson finished in second, followed by uh, Alex Bowman, who is the pole sitter. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, followed by a pole sitter in Hamlin, who uh, was in fourth place. Then it was Kyle Busch, Austin Dillon, uh, Chris Busher, William Byron, Martin Truex Jr., and Kevin Harvick. So uh, there you have the top ten. Your thoughts? Uh, let me just go ahead and finish this. Larson dominated the race. He won both the first and second stage. He led 269 of 325 laps, but was passed by Blaney with eight laps in the race. Blaney pulled away to win by two seconds. There were 11 lead changes among six drivers, five cautions for 24, 25 yellow flag laps. 
Uh, the average speed of the race was 144.595 miles per hour. Uh, so your thoughts about the uh, Cup Series race and Ryan Blaney uh, winning that event? Oh, man, I, I watched it, and I was like, no, nobody is beating Kyle Larson. I mean, he was just he was in a he was in a he was in his own race, and, mm-hmm. and then Ryan Blaney just you know um, methodically you know came up you know and finally caught him you know and he made the pass you know I mean uh, you know you got you, you had to feel really bad for Kyle Larson, but you really had to give the props to Ryan Blaney you know for you know for just sticking with his. They both had a plan to, you know, on how they're going to run this race. You know, Blaney stuck to his plan, even though, you know, at first two stages it didn't look like he was going to ever catch Kyle Larson. You know, but he stuck to it at the end of the race. You know what? And, you know, and caught the, you know, you know, better tires, whatever it was that got him that got him past Kyle Larson. You know, but once he went by Larson, Larson knew that was the end of the race. He wasn't going to catch. He had one shot at him, you know, to put a bumper to him. But he even tried that, and then and. Ryan was out, but it was a very good win for it. It was very good to see Ryan Blaney win, you know, especially the gesture at the end of the race, you know, to give the, you know, the young fan in the stands, you know, to give him the flag, you know, what, and make, you know, make him. Oh, yeah, day, that was cool. You know, but the, but all in all, you know, it was really good to see, you know, to see the, um, the, uh, um, uh, the number 12 car, Penske car, you know, and, uh, and back in uh, a Ford actually. A Ford, you know, not, not a Chevy in victory lane. Yeah, yeah, it really uh, was a fun. I thought it was a fun race to watch uh, because there was a lot of action going on throughout the race. Um, but uh, you know, I, I remember asking in our race day chat feature that we do with Fan for Racing, uh, "Is Kyle Larson going to win this race?" And it was about twenty laps to go, I think, and everybody. Uh, you know, was was it was uh, Andy in there, and Andy was like, no doubt, <laughs> uh, he's got this race won. And then to have all of that happen with eight laps left to go, Ryan Blaney just hunted him down and pulled him in, and uh, it was really cool to see him pull off that race victory and continue the streak of six different winners in six different races. So uh, let's go ahead and hit the points report, Sal. All right, then the point standings, we're looking at um, driver's points. Danny Hamlin still leading. Uh, Kyle Larson in second. Joey Logano in third. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. fourth. And Brad Keselowski round off the top five. Yeah, and they just announced that Brad Kez- or Roger Penske said today uh, that he anticipates uh, bringing Brad Keselowski back into Team Penske. Uh, so that sounds like uh, good news for Brad Keselowski. Yeah, he's he's really like like we had spoke about, you know. I think it was last after last race, or the no, it wasn't last race because I wasn't on, but the race before that. You know, he's really become you know a good ambassador for the sport. As much as you know, mm-hmm. fans don't like him, but I mean, when Kyle Larson picked up that win, Brad was the first one down there you know, to congratulate him. You know, and you know, back into the you know fold, and you know. Brad does a lot for the sport, you know, and, and it's just sad, you know, that, you know, people look at him a different way, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. But anyways, going, going to the sixth in the point standings is Kevin Harvick. Seventh is Ryan Blaney. Eighth is William Byron. Ninth is Christopher Bell. And tenth is Chase Elliott, who just had a horrible day. I mean, the hometown favorite, 
and went out with yeah. the blown motor. It went out early. Yeah, that was sad to then, see. I, I know when I saw it happen, I go, oh, there's not going to be any sirens blowing in Dawsonville tonight. So that was, I think, sad for a lot of fans. <laughs> yeah. And then um, since they take the top 16, uh, we go down to Austin Dillon in 11th, Kyle Bush in 12th, Michael McDowell 13th. Wow, Michael McDowell still holding strong there. Alex Bowman 14th, mm-hmm. Kurt Bush 15th, and Chris Boucher rounds out the top 16. Yeah, isn't that something? Chris Busher in 16, and right behind him, ironically, is Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Uh, Chris is at 144 points. Ricky Stenhouse at 138 points. Uh, so that's fairly close right there, six points between them. Uh, the highest rookie, well, I don't think he's a rookie. Chase Briscoe is the highest rookie uh, this this year, uh, and uh, he's part of that Stuart Haas Racing Group. A lot of fun to watch uh, this race this weekend and uh, to watch Kyle Larson uh, go after that victory. But uh, how about Kyle Larson in second place as he returns back to NASCAR this year? Yeah, you know, that's that's good for NASCAR. It's, It's good for Kyle Larson. You know what, hopefully, you know, you know, by the end of the season, you know, next year, you know, you know, bygones will be bygones. You know, he can start to pick up, you know, some sponsors because I know Hendrick, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Rick's sponsoring a lot of a lot of his racing this year because, you know, sponsors, you know, still don't, you know, you, you can't blame him. You know what the, what the guy did, you know, and just, you know, some, some things you just can't let go that easy. But, you know what, his performance on the track, hopefully, you know, will garner, you know, him to get, you know, even towards the end of the season, he'll start picking up sponsors here and there, but I, I I think it's good for the series. You know what? It's good for Hendrick Motorsports. You know what? And, um, yeah. and it's good for, for NASCAR, for NASCAR, you know, all in all. And I think we're seeing this year from Christopher Bell what we thought we were going to see last year. Uh, some really good uh, racing from Christopher Bell this season, too, with uh, the Bristol Dirt Race coming up uh, next week. Uh, what do you think is going to happen do you think Christopher's going to have a good run? I I I think you have a good run. It, it's it's like it's like uh, Chris was saying, you know, earlier. You know what? It's you know it, it's it's an unknown. You know what? And you know until they you know actually get out there and practice, you know, start getting to see what the feel for the track is. You know what? I know everybody's tabbing Kyle Larson to be the big the big time favorite. You know what? And he's going to walk away. You know, walk away with the race win. But you know, this is a whole different. This is a 33-degree banked dirt track. You know, it's not like the dirt tracks that they're used to racing on, you know. So there's going to be a lot of, you know, track prep is going to be huge. You know what, um, you know, how the track breaks down, you know, how how drivers are going to race. I mean, you know, he's not racing in a sprint car. You know, he's racing in a big body full stock car, you know. So there's going to be a lot of variables, yeah. you know. I, 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 think Chris, I think Chris Bell is going to do really good because we've seen him you know, go from, you know, from different cars, you know what, and, you know, and have success, you know, and, um, and I, I, I think, I think we're going to see a lot out of Chris Bell, you know, um, you know, just, you know, for this Bristol race, I, I, I think, I think he will come in as one of the race favorites, especially, especially after the first set of practices, you know, when, when they kind of see, you know, how he, how he handles the track, 
you know, I think that's really going to be a telltale sign right there, you know, along with, of course, Kyle Larson. But Yeah, one of know, the things but, I heard, Sal, is that the track might get compacted by the time the, the truck, uh, by the time the uh, Cup Series gets out there with all the heat races and then uh, the actual race itself. Uh, if it gets does get compacted, <laughs> um, that's going to make it pretty slick. Yeah, it, it'll make it slick, but it then depends what time of the what time of the day they, they're going to run all this stuff at, you know, and you know, and how how moist they're going to keep it. But yeah, you know, the, the yeah. track will get slick. But then what happens too, and it's what we've seen over here at, at in Vegas was that the track starts to rubber up. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 dirt starts to starts to absorb the rubber and the rubber it starts to rubber up so you know it it gets slick to a point but then it, it but then the track also gains a lot of grip so you know it, it's you know there's going to be a lot of variables you know as the track changes on how you know they change you know whether it be tire pressures I don't know how they do it on the dirt you know whether they change tire pressures or you know stuff like that but. You know that that's another thing that's going to come into play because remember they're going to be using groove tires. In fact, they're not going to be racing on slick, so the groove tires are you know they grip a lot different, you know for for these dirt races. Yeah, that's true. Um, so I, I it's it's going to be a fun race to watch. I can't wait for next weekend. We're going to see the trucks out there. The trucks aren't quite as heavy as the uh, Cup Series cars. Uh, and I think the fact that these cars are so heavy, and I know that it doesn't have a lot of banking, like normally there's a 33-degree banking at Bristol. I think they said it's going to be a 19-degree banking, uh, so they've reduced the banking a little bit there. So, But okay. there's still going to be some banking, which is something that we don't normally see on a dirt track. So I think that's going to make it kind of interesting as well for all these people. Uh, who are going to be watching this race and the guys that are going to be racing it, uh, especially when a car as heavy as the cup car. I think that banking is going to play into what we see happen on the track. Yeah, plus you, plus you, you know, you have to take into account, you know, the trucks are a lot lighter in the back, you know, than the cars, you know. So, I mean, you know, how much damage will the trucks do? The Xfinity is going to do probably most of the, you know, most of the compacting, you know, um, I'm not sure with what the weight, what the weight, what the rate ratio is from the front to the back of the cart, you know, to the truck. But um, you know, the horsepower they lay down, you know, is, is where most of the compaction is going to come from. You know, the horsepower they put to the rear tires. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know. You have any favorites uh, to win that race, Sal? You know, I. It's. Man, it's it's tough. You know what? I mean, you almost have to go with Chris Bell because I I think think he's a more all around he's a more all around um, you know dirt driver than what Kyle Larson is. Sure, Kyle Larson, you know he's you know he was did the suspension you know, and he spent all his time on dirt, but I I just think that Chris Bell you know has a lot more um, I I just think he has a lot more experience sort of speak you know as far as you know making transition you know from you know from the different cars you know as far as you know what you can do and then you know what you you can't count out austin dillon man austin dillon won 
in the dirt in a truck at Eldora. He was the first truck winner at Eldora. So you know what you you have mm-hmm. that that little black horse in Austin Dillon, you know, on, on how he's going to perform out there too. You know, um, all these other drivers have been out there. Kyle Busch was out there, you know, this past week, you know, racing, um, you know, Chase Elliott, you know, and uh, you know a few of the others. But um, you know, I don't know. I I just I just kind of give I have to give a little bit of an edge to Chris Bell over over Kyle Larson. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens. I'm, since you went uh, the Christopher Bell route, I'll go the Kyle Larson route. How about that? Okay, or you can go the Chase Elliott route. Well, Not I Chase Elliott, Chase but um, I'm, or, or, or Austin Dillon. I'm going to go the Kyle Larson route. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Sal, we're so happy that you were well enough to be on our show again tonight. Uh, we really do appreciate it, and uh, you're welcome to stay on for Hot Topics. Yeah, you know, Sharon, I wish I could, but I'm winded. And, okay, um, that's fine. And, uh, I'm, uh, yeah, I mean, if I wasn't winded and, and not feeling any pain, you know what, I would go ahead and do it. But, um, you know, I'm just, I just got out of the hospital Friday, Friday night, so it's only been a few days since I've been out, and, and um, I'm still trying to. I'm still trying to adapt. I was in I was in there longer than I expected. I was only supposed to be in there for a couple of days, three days, four days, and I was in there for a week, eight days actually. Wow. So yeah, wow. I'm just trying to get my get my feet back and everything. But thanks for the invitation. Okay. Well, thank you again for being here uh, tonight. We really enjoyed it, and uh, it was fun talking with Chris Knight. Uh, and uh, we appreciate him coming on the show here. And uh, I'll look forward to, uh, we'll be back on air next Monday night. Uh, We'll look forward to talking to you then. All right. Good night, everybody. Stay safe from the COVID. Wear your mask, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Okay. Take care now. All right. It is the top of the hour, and that means it is time for NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off here on Fan for Racing Radio. And joining us for our Hot Topic Sound Off tonight is first, uh, we've got Owen Stewart here, I believe. Welcome to the show, Owen. Yeah, good to be back for another week. I'm excited. I'm excited as well. And also joining us is uh, Tommy Kraft. Welcome to the show, Tommy. Hey, how are y'all? Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Uh, I know Jay's been on the road for a good part of the day. He's trying to get here to be a part of Hot Topic Sound Off, so at some point I look for him to kind of jump on here. Uh, But he is not here right now. Uh, But we can go ahead and get started uh, with our first Hot Topic for tonight. So, Owen, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, sure. Uh, I actually had a difficult time coming up with the topic. I was kind of deciding between a few that I was thinking about earlier, but uh, just looking at the way that the current season is transpiring, uh, we've had six different winners in six races, and obviously it's still very early, still 20 races left in the regular season, but we all know there's only 16 playoff spots available, and with the win-and-in format, what are the chances that we see more than 16 winners this season? And how long does this streak continue, especially with wildcard races like Bristol Dirt and Talladega coming up in the near future? Yeah, good question. 
Okay, Tommy, what are your thoughts? I think that it's starting to trend to be more likely that we actually have more than 16 different winners or uh, 16 different spots, but we have, like, multiple, like, 17 or 18 winners. But um, it, it's trending that way, but um, at some point I feel like there's going to be a breakthrough. Like, Kyle Larson looks like he's going to finally break through and get a second win here or um, – even though but there's still Harvick who hasn't won, Hamlin and Bush, and they're all eventually going to win. Martin Truex will probably grab a second one. So the trend will probably – it'll probably end soon, but it does look like those playoff spots, like somebody's going to get their feelings hurt on like a tiebreaker at like 17 or 18 or in that area or somewhere for sure. Yeah, you know, Jay wrote an article about that this week, and, and uh, he pointed out 2017 we had 13 different winners, which is the record uh, for the number of different winners uh, in the playoff uh, uh, format. And, uh, you know, I think that that's probably, we're going to probably come close to that if we don't exceed it. Uh, I think we're going to come close to the 13 different winners again. And I think it is possible that we could break it for exactly the reason that Tommy brought up, um, the fact that we've got so many of the veteran drivers that have not won yet this season. I think as we get closer to the midpoint of the season, we're going to see more people uh, getting those victories. And then you factor in, uh, you know, people who won last year that haven't won this year, like Cole Custer, uh, I'm sure that there's going to be a race that comes up here that Cole Custer is going to probably uh, come up with a victory, uh, even though he hasn't uh, really done that well so far yet this season. And even Chase Briscoe, I know it's his his uh, first year in the Cup Series, but uh, Chase Briscoe has always been a real, um, uh, you know, quick study, if you will. So I see him adapting uh, as the season progresses and probably uh, being one of those drivers that could capture a win. Uh, but I think even more so than these younger guys, um, I think we're going to see some of these veterans start to pick up wins. Uh, and there's a lot of them that have not won yet this season. So I think it's very possible. And joining us now is Jay Hughesman. So you made it, Jay. Welcome. Well, uh, I appreciate that, and uh, I'm going to try and stay on. Uh, I have my head headset in while I'm driving, so I will hopefully oh, be able to driving? maintain service. Yeah, I'm okay, still driving. Okay, well, be safe. Uh, now I am. That's We're what I talk- said. I put the put the headset headset on and everything. So I just caught the tail end there of uh, what what, what exactly We're was talk- the topic. We're talking about the streak of six different drivers in six different races. How long is it going to go uh, as we head into the uh, think about the playoffs this year? And I, I mentioned your article that you wrote. <laughs> well, Kyle Larson about spoiled that. Um, I yeah. did have a Penske driver winning in Atlanta. However, it was not Ryan Blaney for sure. Um, I had Brad Keselowski. I still, I think, getting past the dirt next week, which is a wide open, but there are some favorites. Uh, I know I said I was headed to Bristol, and that's where where I was, and uh, coming back taking longer than I expected. But 
there's a couple there. Kyle Larson and Christopher Bell, obviously, I think are going to be good. But I do see that it could be still a wide open. Kyle Busch ran really good there. He ran. Austin Dillon won his crate late model. So I think getting through there and then Talladega, but I know we still got a number. Danny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano. There is four more, which hits the record of ten. And so Alex Bowman had another good run. And some of these on dirt, I kind of think Tyler Reddick might be one. So I think there's still a good chance. But right now, especially after the, this weekend at Atlanta and, and the dirt race coming up, I think Kyle, Kyle Larson could be the spoiler and all that. <laughs> okay, Owen, this was your hot topic. So we're curious to know your thoughts. Yeah, this is uh, something I was just thinking about last night and looking at the six different drivers who've won this season. I think that when I was making race-by-race race predictions before the year, I think I only had two of those six winning a race at all this season, and that was Truex. And I think I had Christopher Bell going to victory lane, but there are still five drivers, at least in my eyes, the 11, the 2, the 4, the 22, and the 9 that are essentially guaranteed to get victories at some point during the regular season. And then you've got the 18, the 48, the 1, uh, and then some other cars like the 10, the 14, the 41, uh, that could all very well visit victory lane. And then guys like Austin Dillon, Tyler Reddick, even someone like a Bubba Wallace or a Daniel Suarez. Uh, we saw Trackhouse run well. Roush Fenway has been running well recently. And then there's always the threat of Ricky Stenhouse spoiling the party at Talladega. So they're – a good 25 drivers who I legitimately think could win a race this year. And obviously not that many will end up winning a race, but I don't think it's out of the realm to think we could see more than 16 or at least close enough to it that that regular season finale at Daytona is going to have some very desperate drivers in competitive cars. And I think that with the way the standings are shaking out, we have guys like Briscoe, like Almirola, like Benedetto who are, at least as the season currently stands, pretty far out of the playoff picture. And if they're still in that position when the season comes around to Daytona, you're going to have a lot of very fast cars desperate to win, needing to win to get into the playoffs. So it's going to be an incredible run to the end of the regular season. Okay. Uh, You bring up some uh, even more names uh, that uh, I hadn't thought about. Uh, Tommy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm on, I'm on the same page as Owen here. Um, with Daytona being the finale, it's going to be crazy because there's probably going to be, I mean, once you add up all the people that will probably win this year, there probably will be 12-plus winners. So it probably will be desperate for sure. So there's that's probably going to be a wreck-field race. But um, I can't wait. I'm super excited. But uh, uh just Chase Elliott hasn't won yet. That's another win um, that'll probably occur at some point this season. And Kyle Busch, and then yeah, Austin Dillon looked really good on dirt this past week, and so did Kyle Busch. So I mean, they'll they'll probably be good in the Bristol race if their car makes it past all the heat stuff. Um, I'm just. It's a good season so far. I'm glad there's been six different winners. I really thought Larson had that second win, though. Um, but I'm glad Blaney won because it keeps it interesting. 
Okay, it sure did keep it interesting. Uh, I think I was asking in our race day chat, uh, is Larson going to win this race? And Andy was like, oh, yeah, no doubt. He's he's got this one won. And then with eight laps to go, here comes Ryan Blaney. Uh, I think everybody thought Kyle Larson had that race won. So uh, I think that we might see, obviously we're going to see some repeat winners throughout the rest of the uh, total of 26 races in the uh, regular season. So, uh, but yeah. Uh, I do think that uh, we're going to – I think we're going to break the record of a 13, and I think that uh, we're going to continue to see uh, a streak of – maybe not a streak of different winners, but we are going to continue to see a lot of different winners this season. So, Jay, uh, your follow-up on that. Yeah, I can't believe that the one I left off was Chase Elliott. Um, And so many (laughs) names got mentioned there that – either have one before and we're waiting Al Marola, Kurt Busch, um, and a couple that are, you know, really close. So, and that's, that's not taking away any more first time winners. Uh, Ryan Priest, we've talked about, uh, Bubba Wallace. I know he got mentioned that have certain Chris Daniel Busher. Flores. Those are ones that, yeah, Chris Busher is another one and he's been running top 10. So, uh, I think that the streak again, I, I do think, uh, I think getting past Bristol, maybe, but dirt is dirt, so you, you never know. Um, and then Talladega, uh, the other wild card there where it could be anybody's. And there again, it could be Justin Haley again or somebody like that of out of nowhere. So I, I think we're in good shape. You're right. I think we are going to see some multi-team multi winners. Again, Truex now is one who could certainly win any week um, and be that first two-time winner, especially when it comes to Martinsville, if we, if we get that far. But I don't think we're going to see like we saw last year of Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin having nine and eight respectively. Just the, the way it has gone so far this year, somebody would have to go on a really hot streak and guys like keep the door shut on guys like Kyle Larson, who has been top three, top five, running at least every week. I mean, really did have a shot to have three wins already. Okay. You get the final word on this one, Owen. Yeah, I think that this season, compared to last season, Jay just mentioned it, it's not going to be anything like last season uh, with the way that Harvick and Hamlin just kind of pulled away as a two-car battle for the points lead for pretty much the entirety of the regular season. This year is shaping up to be a lot different. And uh, obviously, I mean, Denny Hamlin's pulling away in the points, and he hasn't even won a race yet. And Mm -hmm. that just makes things even more interesting because, Obviously, this is a very, very rare thing that could happen, but there could be 16 winners. Hamlin wins the regular season with no wins, and he gets into the playoffs as a regular season champion. Then all of a sudden, you got winners missing the playoffs too. So it's going to be insane down the stretch, and I'm I'm excited for it. I know that it was already mentioned that that last Daytona race is going to be a wreck fest, and that's 100% true, especially looking at who's probably going to be fighting for a playoff spot. But I am 100% ready for that wreck fest. Best season ever, right? Sure sure looks like it so far. Okay. Uh, Tommy, you're up next for the next hot topic. Bring up uh, the feud of the week, Gregson versus Hemrick. Oh, boy. Jay, we'll let you go first on this one. 
What they well, say and that could be different next today. <laughs> yeah, well, and it certainly could be uh, be different next week. That's the key point. Um, you know, in this particular case, and I've seen some replays and listened to some of the talk radio while I've been driving, you know, Hamrick is the one that came at him. Obviously, there was some a situation on pit road. NASCAR deemed it not intentional. At least they're they couldn't find enough to make that judgment call. And we talked about this with another topic. They don't want to be in the in the making a judgment uh, game. So the, Gregson had reason to back up to get into his pitch stall appropriately. Did he back into him intentionally? Only one person can answer that. You know, I mean, that's what it comes down to. And they opted to not make a judgment on that. So I kind of applaud them for that. However, the risk on pit road <laughs> like that is kind of iffy. What I don't like is the fight afterwards. Hamrick initiated that. You know, uh, Noah was doing an interview, and I know he did make a, a comment or so, but wasn't bashing on Hemrick. He was talking about how he recovered and, you know, got to the top five or whatever, and then gets attacked, you know, pushed out of the, out of his interview. So I, I know they talked about this. The reputation is what's preceding it. But in this case, I really can't say you can put that on Gregson. But, again, if, if you're involved every week, you know, you're a key factor uh, or what do you call it, a common denominator. So he's going to take a lot of heat for it. Okay, Owen, your turn. Yeah, I saw a couple, I guess, replays of the incident, and I, I'm still kind of just confused as to, I mean, yeah, his, his right side tires were very close to the edge of the box, so it obviously makes it a judgment call for NASCAR. And like you said, they don't want to be in a position to make those judgment calls. Uh, and I think part of the issue here, too, is how small the pit boxes at Atlanta are, how tight that pit road is. We saw it, too, with Anthony Alfredo almost taking out one of uh, Almirola's crew members in the cup race. I think that probably played a role in it, but the whole was it intentional argument, like you said, only one of them's going to know, and that's Noah Gregson. There were reports that he uh, gave Hemrick an unfriendly gesture on pit road after it happened, so some people were believing it was intentional. However, again, uh, NASCAR isn't going to be the judge of that unless Gregson comes out and says, you know what, I did it on purpose, I was trying to hit him. And he's not going to do that. Um does Hemrick have the right to be mad? Of course he does. Uh, I do think the way he approached it was probably not the smartest, especially going up to him in the middle of an interview. I think it could have been talked about in a bit of a mature, more mature way, but maybe Hemrick knows something that we don't. Uh, so I guess it's just hard to keep in mind of uh, what both of these drivers were thinking. It was kind of a crazy weekend for sure. Okay. Uh, I heard on Sirius XM earlier today that uh, the car that was behind Hemrick was actually what initiated it because they came in a little too far, had to back up. That caused Hemrick to have the problem where he had came in too far and had to back up. So there's two drivers right there that didn't do what Noah Gregson did. Okay, they handled it. They, they, there was a situation. They got their car in position. And when I looked at the replay of how uh, Gregson came backed up in his box, he, 
it seems to me like Gregson, if he was really trying to angle himself back into his box, he would have angled the car a little bit more than he did. He'd make more of a straight backup, which caused me to believe that it was intentional. Then I read on Twitter where Daniel Hemrick uh, did indicate that there was an unfriendly gesture, as Owen puts it. That's a good way to put it, Owen, uh, by Noah Gregson. And so that makes that made Daniel Hemrick feel like it was done purposely as well. Now, uh, what concerns me is, to me, it's a safety issue. And for that reason alone, I think NASCAR should have done something more um, strict. And maybe they consider this a warning to Noah Gregson. But if he, it's very possible he could have backed up, hit that car, and caused an injury to one of those pit crew members. And, and that's a safety issue as far as I'm concerned and wasn't a real bright idea uh, for him to do that. Uh, I, I tend to think he did it intentionally because of the hand gesture and because of uh, uh, Hemrick's uh, reaction to it. But you're right. Daniel Hemrick going up to him during an interview and kind of interrupting the interview and punching Dan, uh, Noah Gregson probably wasn't uh, the best thing to do either. Uh, I, I know both of them, it's kind of heat of the moment kind of thing and reaction. Uh, and one thing that I've heard over and over again is that with these drivers driving as fast as they're driving, and we all know that Atlanta Motor Speedway is a high-speed track, that adrenaline high is still there after the race. And sometimes uh, these guys do things that they later regret. Um, but uh, it, I see that both of them were kind of wrong. Now, Sal brought up something earlier when we were talking about this during the early part of the show, uh, and that is they said that they weren't going to find uh, Noah Gregson for the, the what happened on Pitt Road, but they're still reviewing what happened um, uh, as far as backing into the box, but they're still reviewing what happened as far as the fight that took place uh, on Pitt Road after the race. So I don't know if, if it's still a potentially a... Um, uh, penalty there, I'm not sure, uh, but uh, it has been brought up that there could be potentially still uh, some kind of penalty coming from that. So, again, I, I think that there should be a penalty to Noah Gregson because of the safety factor, and I, I don't think it was a good idea for Daniel Hemrick to interrupt the interview the way that he did uh, with a punch. So, Tommy, you uh, brought this up, so Let's hear what your thoughts are. Well, I feel like we're talking about Noah Gregson almost like every week or every other week. Um, like yep. just a couple of weeks, we were talking about him doing the interview, uh, talking about Bass Pro Shops and going to look at the fish tank and everything, and how it was pretty funny, and then how him and Mike Joy were going at it a little bit. I mean – I don't really like the, the how close he was to the crew member. I mean, the crew member did have time to react because he did get out of the way. Um, maybe it wasn't intentional, but maybe it was. But either way, that's my one concern is the, the safety part. I don't really mind the fight. I mean, I know it's probably bad for sponsors and everything, but it, it, 
it is interesting. But I did want to point out that I think Graxon is actually the one that threw the first punch. I mean, Daniel Hemrick just went over there and said, you know, hey, don't, you know, don't back up on, like, my crew member again. It sounded something around along those lines. But then Graxon is the one that threw the first punch, and Henrik dodged it. And I have to point it out. Henrik, <laughs> Henrik dodged it and then jabbed him really good. I mean, if he doesn't work out in NASCAR, he should consider boxing or something, maybe, because he did <laughs> he did a good job at that. <laughs> but, um, I mean, him and him and Graxon going at it was interesting, and it'll be interesting to see the rest of the season how they race each other. I mean, Graxon was in a fight last year with Harrison Burton. I don't know what it is with him and Joe Gibbs racing, but uh, I just – and then uh, someone pointed out Anthony Alfredo wrecking. uh, Yeah, that was dangerous. It just – the pit road was a place. Okay, so, Jay, your follow-up. All right, well, I'm in a stretch where hopefully I don't lose service, but – uh, you're right, Gregson did technically throw the first punch because uh, Hemrick grabbed him and was pushing him around and actually holding his hand. And, yeah, I would put some money on him as a boxer for sure because he slipped the jab <laughs> and then hooked. <laughs> uh, the, I think, Sharon, when you were talking about the, the chatter that's still going on as far as possible forthcoming penalties, though, from the fight is about the other members involved. Because that, there was a big thing, if we go back to the one with Denny Hamlin, where yes. some crew member jerked him down. I think that's where the chatter about possible other penalties is, is coming from, is there were more people there that were involved than just the two drivers. And that's where it gets tricky. Uh, and then the final thing I wanted to say is it, it does kind of seem to be a Joe Gibbs thing. I don't know if everybody saw the entire clip that I saw. But as they got separated and Hemrick walked away, and I watched it a couple of times, I'm pretty sure it is Harrison Burton in the Dex uniform that gives him comes up and gives him a fist bump. If if it wasn't Harrison Burton, it was a crew member from the uh, Dex sponsored team there. As Hemrick was actually <laughs> finally walking away, came up and gave him a fist bump, and I think it was Harrison Burton. Okay, Owen, your thoughts. And we've been talking about Hemrick's boxing skill. I think Gregson shouldn't be banking on that as a career because he's 0 for 2 with his right hook so far in the Xfinity <laughs> series. But uh, aside from the boxing, I think the whole safety issue is the most important aspect of this because even if let's just say that Gregson didn't do it intentionally, I'm kind of 50-50 on whether or not he did. But let's just say he didn't. At best, that is a horrible case of bad awareness from a driver who's supposed to be able to know how far these cars are behind him. I mean, you're, you're not traveling at a speed. He's not traveling at any speed, and Hemrick has stopped behind him. He knows that there's a pit stall behind him, and even if Hemrick is pulled a little more forward than he ideally would like to be, he's still in his own box. So Gregson didn't need to back up as far as he did, regardless of the situation. So that's my issue is the part of the safety because – I do think it's time for Atlanta to make their pit boxes bigger, and I think it's time for them to make pit road wider uh, because the Hemrick Gregson incident was one thing, but then the Alfredo Almirola incident could have very nearly been something very much worse. Uh, just from watching mm-hmm. it, you could see Alfredo was about four inches away from hitting the front right tire changer between the two cars. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any 
need for Atlanta to keep pit road the way it looks, especially because other mile-and-a-half tracks have significantly bigger pit bosses. I think they showed the graphic comparing Atlanta to Las Vegas during the race, and it's night and day, so they need to make those changes if they really want incidents like this to not happen, or so they don't have to make judgment calls about whether or not it was intentional. Yeah, you bring up a good point, Joe, and I, I agree with you. I think I, the the Anthony Alfredo one was scarier by far, um, but uh, I do think that Atlanta needs to take a look at those pit boxes and see what they can do uh, to make it more safe for everybody on pit road. Uh, but that being said, uh, I do think that North Gregson's reputation precedes him, and uh, what Tommy brought up with Harrison Burton uh, coming up and kind of giving him a fist bump, a Hemrick a fist bump afterwards, uh, is an indication of that. He's had his own run-in uh, with Noah Gregson. And uh, if he continues to have those run-ins, and he's the only common denominator amongst all these different drivers, uh, at some point, he's got to stop and ask him the question about the way he's handling uh, situations. And I just don't think that he's proven to me uh, that he is handling these situations when they come up in a very mature manner. Uh, so I, I would like to see him grow up a little bit to maybe handle these situations. Two drivers before him handled the same situation without hitting the driver behind them or the car behind them. So I don't know why Noah Gregson couldn't have done the same thing. Uh, so, again, that's all that and the fact that he didn't angle it all into his pit box, but he went straight back into Hemrick's car. That that leads me to believe that it was on uh, an, an intentional move. Okay, we are at the... Um, time of the night where I like to alert our first-time listeners that we are going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, but we will continue recording the rest of our conversation. So you might hear us uh, go off air mid-sentence, but don't worry. Uh, the recording continues, and it is, becomes part of our bonus overtime material on our podcast. When the show is over, I will go out on Twitter to let everyone know that the uh, podcast is now available. If you've listened up to this point, all you have to do is fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation. So, again, we just like to alert first-time listeners uh, so that they're not caught by surprise. And uh, we'll continue on. And, Jay, I'm going to let – I'm sorry, Tommy, you get the last word on this topic. I was just going to add the – the other thing I didn't really like that Gregson did was uh, his comment at the end of the interview that he made towards Hemrick's career. I thought that was kind of a, a low, a low shot. Um, uh-huh. But I mean, there was truth to it. Um, he, Daniel, does need to Hemrick does need to get some wins this year. Um, he has only finished second um, a, a bunch in the trucks and the Xfinity and truck series, but he was rookie of the year. And he is really consistent, and he is with Joe Gibbs. It would just be kind of funny if he ends up winning a couple races this year and has more wins than Noah. So to come back to bite Noah for what he said, but um, it'll definitely be interesting <laughs> to see how they race these next couple weeks. Yes, indeed. 
Uh, Hamrick, by the way, has never won in any series that he's raced in, but he is extremely consistent. So uh, I look for him to break that this year with a victory. So, Jay, let's move to you with the next hot topic. Well, to follow up with uh, Larry McReynolds' uh, analytics and pit road measurements and the pit stall, I mean, Owen, sorry, uh, filling us in on all that, <laughs> that brings up the question that comes up every year. Do they need to repave Atlanta, which then I believe part of it would be reconfiguration, not just a repave, but reconfiguration as well, which would affect, obviously, pit road. Okay, Owen, you're up. Yeah, I mean, like you said, this is a topic that comes up every year, and um, I, I, I think it is time for a repave and reconfiguration of the track, and I think it's more about uh, just the pit road deal than anything else. Uh, tracks, especially in this day and age, NASCAR's at a nearly 20-year streak, actually are at a 20-year streak of no driver deaths and no pit crew deaths from a race, so we got something good going, and after what happened on Sunday, I mean, I don't think I realized at the time how close that streak was to ending until I watched a replay of it later on, and uh, it's definitely time to repave uh, the track. The racing product is still good, but it's not what it was 10, 15 years ago, and obviously the package is completely different, but uh, just I think it's time to see something new at Atlanta, and i think that that would be a good time to reconfigure the entire infield and pit road as well to kind of keep it on par with those other one-and-a-half-mile tracks. Okay, Tommy. I agree with Owen. Um, I'm going to miss – I'll miss old Atlanta if they uh, pave it, Um, but I think it's time to see a change for sure. They need to do something a little bit different because I feel like the – Last couple of races there, I mean, they've been good, but they've also been just green flag racing, which I know the drivers like that, and it, it is good some races, but I also like to keep it interesting. And the starts, they couldn't really fan out like they uh, usually do at like uh, the other, uh, what are they called, cookie cutter tracks, like it, like Texas and. Um, like auto club and everything, the restarts are usually crazy, and you couldn't really get that in Atlanta. So, I mean, maybe they should change it up. I know they're building, like, a casino next to the track as well, so maybe they'll have people betting on the race and everything. It'll draw more fans to the track, too. But I will miss, uh, <laughs> well, Bobby Labonte and all of them used to dominate there at the track. And there used to be close finishes, too, like Carl Edwards and Kevin Harvick and Jeff Gordon and all of them. So maybe they can reconfigure it and we can see some more of that in the future. Okay. Um, I think it depends on who you talk to. If you talk to the drivers, none of the drivers, uh, I know there was an interview with Matt Crafton talking about that, and he's like, no, don't do it, don't do it. He wants to keep it the way it is. Because the drivers love that rough and abrasive surface and the whole tire management thing. Uh, but I think I think you guys, uh, both Owen and Tommy, bring up some really good points. Uh, this seems like a really good time. If you're going to make it happen, make it happen now um, to include uh, pit road and, and expanding those boxes. So I'm 
going to agree with you guys that uh, this is the time to do it. Uh, but I know a lot of the drivers are going to be really disappointed. They like that abrasive surface uh, for whatever reason. Uh, but uh, uh, I, I do think it's time that they need to take a look at uh, making some changes there. So, Jay, your thoughts. Well, I'd hate to lose service now because I, I hear what you guys are saying, and I understand there is going to come a point where it needs to. I know with the casino package possibly coming in and being a factor, it's going to happen sooner than later. But as you mentioned, I believe it was three years ago, it is the drivers that really did drive Atlanta and uh, uh, SMI to not do it. The, the counter argument to you guys is in the last 10 laps, we saw, and I don't know what the second uh, differential was, somebody lose their grip and their car go backwards and somebody saved their mm-hmm. tires and come on and you had somebody win when that race was all but over. And that's why I think that the drivers like it because that strategy, that uh, skill of saving your tires comes into play. And so Atlanta still has that. Now, I, like I said, I know that it, it's coming. It was due, and it's they kind of postponed it, so it's going to come. But I think they need to hold off as long as possible because we get what we got on Sunday of, oh, it's over. No, it's not. <laughs> so you're on the later versus sooner thought uh, here. So, Owen, what is, what is your I- follow-up? I think that one of the other things to consider here is Jay made a really good point just about how the strategies can play out at Atlanta and how it's kind of it's definitely a unique track just in the sense of how drivers have to manage their tires and the three even four second fall offs just throughout a green flag run uh, but I think the one of the issues with that is that it, we as you know dedicated fans to NASCAR people who really understand the sport and can appreciate those little things like the strategy of the drivers, we understand that. We appreciate that. But not all NASCAR fans understand all that stuff. And the casual NASCAR fans, they want to see those three, four wide restarts, those five wide restarts, guys passing each other all over the place, finishes. And while, yeah, to a degree, there can be the argument that's, you know, artificial racing or it takes away from the strategy of racing. It is still entertainment. And, I mean, I think, kind of just time for a change just in the sense that Atlanta can still be Atlanta. Um, But I think the drivers will, yeah, probably not agree with it at first, but I think they'll come around to it just simply because they can still make the track unique. I mean, every track on the circuit is slightly different. Even the cookie cutter tracks do have their own little quirks to them. Uh, So I think Mm -hmm. it's going to be, it's obviously going to be a tough decision for NASCAR to make, but I think the repave is probably coming uh, just to appeal to a larger portion of the fan group, I guess I'd say. Okay, Tommy, your follow-up. Well, we'll get another Atlanta race, so we get to see one more on the the worn-out surface. But um, I I know the drivers really like it, but I just – NASCAR's all about change now, and they're doing things different. So I'm sure they'll repave the track sooner. Um. I mean, I'm fine with the, the way the race was the past weekend. Um, I did want to point out, though, that I'm pretty sure the truck race didn't have a single accident, and the Xfinity Series behind, besides Brandon Jones' wreck 
I don't really remember too many. And then Kurt Busch's yesterday, and that was about it. They were pretty caution-free, which takes away the interesting factor because then it's all about basically just pitch strategy and then the just when they restarted the stages. But you can't really fan out in – uh, pass like you can at like Vegas and Texas and at those tracks like it like that at Atlanta. But I just want to bring that they've reconfigured Atlanta in the past, and I definitely think that they can still make it unique. And maybe they could even do something retro, like I know they're trying to bring back the fairgrounds now. Why not reconfigure Atlanta and make it the way it used to be in the '90s and like make the the back straightaway now where the checker flag is like it used to be. Yeah, you bring up some good ideas there, Tommy. I, I'll tell you what, I I still think that they need to do a configuration. Um, I do know that the drivers are not going to be happy no matter when they do the reconfiguration or they do a resurfacing. Um, but I think the pit road alone uh, is, is a good reason to do it uh, because that needs to be – even if they do pit road now, but I, I, I would rather see them do the whole thing all at once. I, I really do think that they need to consider it. Um, and and even with the new surface, uh, I think that we're still going to see some good racing. I know when they reconfit, when they resurfaced uh, Bristol and reconfigured all of that, everybody, uh, myself included. Uh, thought that they were going to ruin a good thing. And for a while, we thought that they did uh, ruin a good thing. But over the years, it's gotten better and better and better. And now we've got a dirt race at Bristol. So what about that? So I don't think they'll do that at Atlanta, but uh, you never know anymore. Um, I will say this. One of the things with regard to green flag runs, is one thing that I think we sometimes don't consider about some of these tracks where we're getting the long green flag runs is that teams can't afford to be wrecking cars every single week. And there are some tracks where it just can't be helped when you think about super speedways and next week at Bristol. Um, They've got to look for those tracks where they can take care of their cars and make sure that they're bringing those cars home clean, especially at a 1.5-mile track because they're going to need that car somewhere down the road. So I think that's why we've seen more green flag runs at Atlanta Motor Speedway this weekend and uh, um, maybe some other 1.5-mile tracks uh, down the road here. Uh, There has to be a cost saving somewhere uh, because we know there's those other tracks where it can't be helped that uh, the cars are going to get wrecked. So, Jay, you get the final word on this one. Did we lose, Jay? Oh, we did. We lost Jay again. Okay. Uh, I'll go ahead and bring up the next topic here. And uh, the topic I wanted to bring up is uh, something that was brought up by Michael Orzel on our Hot Topic channel. And that is, he's saying two or three years ago, would Larson have finished uh, in second position after being passed late in a race that he dominated? His uh, his thought is he doesn't think that it would have happened uh, because uh, 
he thinks that it happened this year because he's a more mature driver. But a few years ago, he thinks that he might have put himself and put it into the fence, either trying to hold Blaney off or to chase him back down. So I wanted to get your thoughts about that because that ties into the whole idea of of um, Larson coming back to NASCAR uh, and he's second, I think I saw earlier, in the series point standings right now. Uh, so what are your guys' thoughts about Larson coming back? Has he matured? And uh, would it have made – did that maturity make a difference in how he finished this race this weekend at Atlanta? So, Tommy, your thoughts. Yeah, I really thought – I really thought that he was going to be the first um, repeat winner this year. I really thought he had it. But he has been running really good all year. I mean, he had a top five or ten at Daytona. Um, He was in third or second at the road course behind Christopher Bell and Joey Logano and Chase Elliott and Hamlin and all them when he and, like, Kurt Busch, he, like, wrecked on, like, the last or the second to last lap. But, yeah, he was running up there in the top five in the road course race all all um, week. And then Homestead, he looked good. I mean, he's probably going to be in the championship four or eight for sure. It's really looking like that to start the season. But a few years ago, what I'm thinking about of Larson is when him and Kyle Busch were battling at Kansas and they about wrecked each other to, to win that race. So I definitely do think he has – matured and he's only going to get better at Hendrick um but yeah he looks really good so far and I think he's a force to be reckoned with I think he'll be in the top four or eight for sure all year okay Owen your thoughts as for whether or not he finished second a few years ago I don't think there's any shot he'd finish second a few years ago he probably would have finished because the difference is uh, Hendrick is top tier equipment. What he had with CGR was probably B plus, maybe B equipment. Uh, he overdrove that 42, and that's not saying that in a bad way. That's saying it as he elevated his equipment to a level that we really haven't seen it since. I mean, Kurt Busch, to a degree, has also elevated the one car, but we've seen what the 42 has looked like since Larson has been out of it. He had to work so hard to get that car to the lead that. When he was about to lose the lead, yeah, I do think he probably would have put it in the wall because uh, he knew he wasn't going to get a ton of opportunities to win races. But I think he can rest easy this year knowing that he's got a car that's going to be capable of winning pretty much week in and week out. I mean, he's been essentially a top five car in terms of speed every week. He hasn't always gotten the result. But like you said, he's second in points. He's been one of the more consistent drivers. Uh, yeah, he's he's honestly probably the championship favorite right now just in terms of pure speed. So uh, I was really impressed with him on Sunday. And with the dirt race coming up, I have a hard time believing he won't be top five again. So, <laughs> Yeah, I agree with you, Owen, for sure. Uh, I do think that he, he had to overdrive the equipment uh, when he was in the 42. Uh, and I think it's become really apparent this year uh, Kurt Busch is doing the same thing. He He's getting something out of nothing uh, in that number one car, and so did Kyle Larson when he was in the 42. Uh, so I I do think uh, 
that uh, he's been very consistent this year, and Tommy, you said the same thing, uh, and that's why he is second in the series point standings. Uh, I, I do think he probably has matured a little bit too, but I don't think that's as big a factor as him being in Hendrick Motorsports equipment that uh, Owen brought up. Uh, there's a lot of confidence that goes with being in a Hendrick Motorsports uh, vehicle. And, uh, you know, they seem to be a lot better this year than they've been in the last couple of years. And uh, who knows, maybe Kyle Larson is part of that. Uh, But I think it probably has a lot more to do with um, Chad Knauss moving to where he's not just covering one car, he's covering all of the Hendrick Motorsports cars. And uh, I think that that move alone has helped Hendrick Motorsports uh, be better. And uh, I think they're going to continue to be better and a force to be reckoned with this entire season. So um, uh, I agree with you. That Hendrick Motorsports car gives uh, Kyle Larson a lot of confidence behind the wheel. And he does not have to work nearly as hard for it as he's had to in the past. Tommy, your follow-up? Yeah, just he he looks really good right now. I mean, if had he had won, he might would have caught streak and he might would have you know won the Bristol dirt race and who knows he might would have started like a little three or four peat there. Um, but I mean, there's so many different winners uh, so far this year, so I think that trend continues. But I think that he's still gonna be in the top five, top ten all season. Um, he looks really good. And um, I don't think that's going to change. And you're right about Chad Canals. Um, that new role, yeah, Hendry looks really good. Cause I can't believe that it's William Byron and uh, Larson that already have wins, and Chase Elliott and Alex Bowman don't. Those people were those two were probably picked to have the wins instead of the other two. But um, it's interesting, and yeah, I think I mean Junior said it on his. Uh, podcast at the beginning of this uh, season that uh, Larson and uh, Reddick were two to watch and so far uh, he's been right about Larson but uh, Reddick Reddick has still struggled a little bit but he has the opportunity to turn it around this weekend too Okay, Owen? Yeah, I think what we've seen from Kyle Larson this year is just a showcase of how talented he really is. And I think we did get to see that a little bit in the 42, but not to this degree just because he wasn't in consistent race-winning equipment. There were times where he was able to drive it to wins, but he was always considered, I think it was the two-mile tracks that he was the best at. He was an ace at certain tracks, but now he's a more well-rounded driver and you can see that he has the confidence every week that he's going to have a car capable of winning. And I'm just going to go into my analytics here for a second, because I know that's kind of my shtick on the show at this point, but Larson is one of two drivers to have completed every lap. He's fourth in green flag pass differential. He has the most quality passes of any driver, highest percentage of quality passes. He's been the fastest car on track 231 times this year second most uh, laps completed inside the top 15 behind only Denny Hamlin, and he's led the most laps by a long shot. So he's been dominant in pretty much every sense of the word. Him and Denny Hamlin are the only two drivers with a driver rating above 102 right now, and they're pulling away from the field. And the difference is that Larson has a win, obviously, but 
Uh, I didn't expect this from Kyle Larson. I mean, I expected him to be competitive, but I figured it'd take him a little while to get back into, you know, asphalt racing. I mean, he hadn't, to Daytona, he hadn't raced on asphalt in almost a year. Uh, And so I figured, you know, it'd probably take him at least a couple months or so to get back rolling. But here we are six races in and he's second in points. So I'm never going to doubt Kyle Larson again. I'll just, I'll just end it with that. I'm not going to doubt him ever again. I think that's a good idea <laughs> uh, because uh, he, he, with all of the uh, stats that you put out there, he's certainly one of the better drivers this season. And you said it earlier, was it you or Tommy that said it earlier, that he is, uh, I think, one of the favorites right now uh, for the championship uh, at this point of the season. You've got to consider him as one of the favorites. Uh, and it's very possible that he's going to be one of the first drivers to, uh, to repeat. So uh, I think it's between him and Martin Truex at this point over who's going to be the first driver to repeat. But now that I said that, I'm thinking about next week at Bristol, it could be Chris Bell. Christopher Bell might be the first guy to repeat. Uh, so that could be a little bit of a surprise next week. But uh, yeah, I I, uh, I I agree with you. I think uh, Kyle Larson's putting on a good show this year. Uh, I like him in the in the Hendrick Motorsports equipment, and uh, I think it's just going to get better as the season uh, moves along. Here, we're going to see more from Kyle Larson. So we'll let that be the last word, and uh, we'll go to our roundtable. And Tommy, we'll start with you for the roundtable this week. Uh-oh. Are you still there, Tommy? Oh, I'm what still about here. you, Owen? Um, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Uh, so I have an article coming out about Bristol soon, so you guys should check that out, yeah. and um, that's about it. Okay, Owen. All right, I am going to do everything I can to get back on my normal normal three-article week this week. I've been totally swamped with schoolwork as of recent, but I am going to try to get back in the groove this week. My power rankings will be out in the next couple of days. And honestly, I am going to try to get on Twitter soon and start posting some stuff on there that's racing-related. So for now, follow me on Instagram at Stewart, And, uh, yeah, I'll have some content out this week. Okay, we'll look forward to seeing that. And yes, Tommy, we're finally going to get your Bristol Dirt Race uh, uh, article out there this week as well uh, with that uh, with those races coming up this weekend. Uh, I am Fan for Racing uh, site on Twitter, and then Fan for Racing blog and radio elsewhere on social media. Uh, we uh, had Sam's. Uh, recap of the race this past weekend out uh, on Banter Racing uh, today and uh, look for that again next week after the Bristol Dirt Race. Uh, and uh, this Thursday, uh, we will have Isabella Robusto on our show at 8.40 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, we did have Chris Knight on tonight. We were supposed to have... Uh, Joe Graff Jr., but something came up at the last minute, and he was not able to be on. So Chris Knight uh, jumped into that spot. And uh, if you did not get a chance to listen, he gave some really great insights uh, about a number of different things. 
Uh, and uh, but we talked uh, a little bit about the the Bristol Dirt Race. We talked about uh, the COVID pandemic and how it's affected the media. And uh, we talked about Joe Graff Jr., believe it or not. So uh, uh, some interesting conversation there. Isabel Robusto, who will be on the show Thursday night, is a a weekly touring series driver in the Advanced Auto Parts uh, weekly tour. So we'll talk to her about that and her place um, with Rub Racing uh, this season as part of the Driver Diversity Program there. So uh, definitely uh, looking forward to that as well. And uh, I'm, I, this has to be one of the ho- most highly anticipated races of the season, uh, racing on dirt at Bristol. So definitely looking forward to the preview show on Thursday night, as well as the races this weekend. We have both the Truck Series as well as the Cup Series on dirt at Bristol this weekend. So uh, thanks for tuning in to our from our, our listeners. We appreciate you taking the time to hear what we have to say. And uh, we hope you come back uh, this Thursday night for our preview show. And thank you to our Fan for Racing crew. Uh, I really appreciate you guys for all that you do, not just with what you do with the articles that you put out uh, on a weekly basis, uh, but also with what you do here on Fan for Racing Radio. So thank you very much, uh, Tommy and Owen, for being here. Tommy, I think you're back again for Thursday night's show. And Owen, I'm not sure when we're going to have you back again, uh, but the first opportunity available on a Monday night, I will be asking you to come back. That just sounds good. I'll come back whenever I'm needed. <laughs> okay. All right, with that, guys, I think we're ready to say good night. Good night, everybody. Thanks for for listening. Thanks for having me, y'all. Have a good night. Good night, everybody.